Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean Scott Sands Tony today. Uh, <laughs> uh, she will be joining us next time. Yeah. But uh, we have a good guest today. We do have a great <laughs> guest today to compensate. Uh, an excellent guest, and one we've been trying to get on for a long time, uh, and the stars have finally aligned. Uh, he is the host of the great movie theme podcast, uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky, as well as a local. Uh, yeah, performer and actor as well. Yeah. Thank uh, you. It's uh, Nick Argenbright, everybody. Hey, yeah. hello. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm so excited. This is going to be great. Yes, I'm excited as well. Well, now you set the standard. <laughs> I know, that's true. It's like, well, boys, it can only go down from here. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> we already peaked on this episode. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, we brought on Nick because I... I I've known Nick of a few years as far as corresponding, and we seem to have a lot yeah. of common mm-hmm. commonality and a lot of things we're interested in. And for the topic we're covering today, I thought he's the perfect guest because uh, I know you're an animation aficionado of some sort. Thank you. And we're covering what I think are masterpieces of animation, they classics, are. as good as any of the films we've covered. Uh, Looney Tunes. We're going to do a broad general discussion of the Looney Tunes today. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. A few people have, have asked, like, well, why are you doing Looney Tunes when you're doing a movie podcast? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. And I well, said, well, technically they are films because they were theatrically released shorts during yeah. the 30s through the 60s. And they, and they are avail- av- av- viable to be nominated by the Academy, and they did one Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's very, yeah. As a matter of fact, I miss that some days. Like, Disney and Warner Brothers both tried bringing it back for their respective shorts, and they didn't get far, um, but you know, um, it, sometimes I miss that where you go in instead of watching the trailer, you watch a little, even mm-hmm. if it's a rated R movie or back then a, a darker movie, you'd watch a Bugs Bunny cartoon before the short. We could shave off a few trailers and commercials to yes. put in an animated feature. I think I, I think so. That better. would be so. I mean, it, you know, it, it could be a three minute short. I'd be completely happy. You know, because mm-hmm. most of the shorts are like six to eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- back in the older they, when they first started, they were I felt like they were longer. When I was like watching some of them, it was like eight minutes, nine minutes, yes. eleven minutes, nine minutes. I was like, jeez. Yeah. And then, and then, like the forties, late forties, fifties, sixties, it was like six, seven minutes long. I was like, yeah. okay, okay. Oh, that Frozen short before that, Coco. Oh, that was, and I knew that was coming up. <laughs> I knew that was coming up, and I, but I thought it was going to be like ten minutes long. Right. It was a half hour, and at one point, I got Stockholm syndrome because, like, I just was just like, this isn't. I mean, that's funny. Mm. That's funny too. Why I not th- use Donald or Goofy? Characters are designed to do shorts. They, they, I, uh, oh, I they. I don't think they had the faith that Cuckoo was going to make money, so they threw in their money maker in there. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that no? I know. Whenever, whenever they do st- shit like that, that's what I always think. Is like they, they like, what's this hedge or bet? We'll tell everybody there's a Frozen short, and even though Coco was amazing, yeah, uh, Pixar movies make money. I don't think anybody half the times the shorts are like. There's a volcano one or whatever. Oh yeah, my wife hates that one by the way because she's like, because he's like, it's a younger girl and yeah. the old the old lava guy is him. And I'm like, the hell, it's a love story. That's what you take away from that. And she's like, I don't like it. It's creepy, creepy older volcano. And I'm I mean, like, was it the best? The heck. <laughs> I, I was mesmerized by the, the, the talking volcano, though. I, I guess when he, something's anathomorphic. <laughs> no, I, no, I, now see, I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was. I, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an old, older white man, I guess. So I guess Does, I would enjoy yeah. it. I don't know. Same here. Does Warner Brothers have a feature animation studio? They kind of do. Yes. Um, 
They now I enjoyed Storks. Um, oh, that that was that was them, and also I think the one. Oh, it's, it's not the new one that's coming out. That's DreamWorks. The new one is it the new one called Abominable. Um, oh, or, no, Bigfoot. Yes, I heard about Bigfoot that. or, or Littlefoot. Littlefoot. Little that's the one with all the. That's a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah, and um, uh, so this is a weird sidetrack, but it's on point. Ken Michoni, he's the guy that did the Rat Fink drawings. He drew Ninja Turtles for years, and he I follow him on Facebook, and really nice guy. And but he works for he does animation for all over Cartoon Network, and he worked on Storks, and then he jumped over to Bigfoot or Littlefoot or whatever, and he talks about the animation scene on Warner Brothers, and it's like it's there. Those movies are very storyboard driven, which you know, so a lot of animation today, feature or otherwise, it's either script driven or storyboard driven, or it's both. And it was very, which is nice, which means the animators, kind of like in the old days, they're doing the gags and they're, mm-hmm. they're writing as they go, which is kind of neat. Um, that's all I. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, what's interesting too is like nowadays everybody has an animation studio or making they do. features, which is going back full circle to the beginning of the early days of Hollywood when that was prominent. Like, that was, yeah. You know, when we grew up in the 80s, I think Disney was the only company truly making um, animated films on a regular basis. Yeah. I, I think Universal had, uh, what's his name? All dogs go to heaven and the American tale go. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. But, but those, excuse me, Don Bluth. Don Bluth. But one of those was produced by Spielberg. And I don't know if the animated series was, but the movie American Tale was Spielberg's. Right. Um, so, you know. Uh, that was the precursor to DreamWorks animation, right? It was. Which, and, which was all spurred from Roger Rabbit because Eisner, you know, uh, pardon the phrase, he pissed in the Wheaties bowl that they were all eating in, and Spielberg's like, well, I'll just do my own thing. <laughs> which, which Spielberg has always kind of done. Well, the interesting is, is Disney bought Fox, so they get all that, their animation, so yes. they got Ace, Ice Age. They have so, Ice Age. So they're going to do like an Ice Age attraction. You, I heard about that. It's just yeah. like, oh, I didn't hear about that. That's awesome. Oh, uh, the first, now that one I feel is one that just keeps not getting it, like the first one was really good mm-hmm. and then like and I I'm a huge Ray Romano fan um, which I've now very comfortable saying back then because everyone's like ah Ray Romano he's a TV star and now I'm they say like, it as it sounds like they say it as Ray Romano <laughs> yeah no that's true <laughs> they always come up to me they just don't tell they, me that. They, they, they do their Ray Romano they do too. a Ray Romano say they don't like him which everybody is hilarious. loves Ray. Oh. <laughs> Debra. That's pretty good, actually. Oh, well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my limited access. Or that uh-huh. is like, uh, uh, Sid, what are you doing? Um, anyway. That's no, good. That's, that's actually really good. Uh, yeah. No, but that, I, I rewatched the first one lately, just on a random, like, a few months ago, and I was just like, this movie holds up. I'm getting a little verklempt here at the mm-hmm. end. And then I was like, and then they never talk about the kid again, and you're like, oh, this is just making money now. <laughs> Which, whatever. Right. But, but you know Disney will try to do that. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, Disney's not, not a stranger to money, that's yeah. for sure. But, or making it. But to what you were saying in terms of the 80s when we were growing up, um, Steven Spielberg was the one that started doing the Warner Brothers. They, he worked with Warner Brothers to reopen their animation department so they could compete on Fox Kids mm-hmm. um, with Tiny Toon Adventures, Animaniacs, and then that spiraled into uh, Batman the Animated right. Series, which, I mean, yeah. they're just hit after hit after hit. And really, Tiny Toons, in my opinion, uh, is, because I prefer Animaniacs a little bit better, but like Tiny Toons is like the warm-up, and mm-hmm. then the pitch is Animaniacs. Yes. And, then, and, and Freakazoid is kind of like you're going into Terry Gillum kind mm-hmm. of style comedy a little bit, like it's Monty Python, very weird humor, but it's still Warner Brothers animation. 
and then they start doing road rovers, and then you realize the executives are taking over a little bit. And yeah, not just peaking. So the, the early nineties, Warner Brothers Animation Studios, probably oh, one yeah. of the best of all time. Yeah, if you think about the quality that they had. At well, the it's time. The, it's was it. It's not Golden Age is first, Silver Age yeah. is second. So it's the Silver Age of that's a Silver Age of animation because Disney had the same thing. They had Ducktales, and it spurred this whole. Well, technically, right. it's Wuzzles on Saturday mornings, but like the thing that really cemented them was Ducktales, and mm-hmm. just amazing. And what's interesting is both studios were drawing from their original characters to revive their yes, studios. Yes, they were. When you think about it, and like, then. Also, at the same time, in kind of a bad way, the only one I think that worked was a pup named Scooby-Doo, but Hanna-Barbera was trying to do the same thing, but they were making them younger. They did the whole Flintstone kids, Yo Yogi. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The Flintstone. See, I- <laughs> the, 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 it's so bad. I, I, I know. know. Right? Face. You're, you're talking about like a, Mar- uh, a honeymooners satire, and you make them kids. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Although no, I think no, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think the guys who did a pup named Scooby Doo, which was so different humor comedically yes. from the other Scooby Doo iterations. Yes. I believe those are the guys who went on to do Tiny Tunes yep, and Animation. Tom Ruger. Tom yeah. Ruger, yeah. Uh, he yeah, he's a he's a really funny guy. Yeah, he's the one that pretty much kicked off that all that off. And another weird fun fact is Sherry Stoner, who's the voice of Slappy Squirrel, she was one of the writers on Tiny Tunes that, you know, he I think it was a groundling. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also the live-action double of uh, mm-hmm. Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Wow. Oh, yeah. Man, that, this, this is, is so weird. Six degrees of separation so that, from all this. Yeah. If I remember, Tiny Toons was not like baby versions of the characters. It was like it, small. It was, it, it was like no. offshoots. It wasn't, but you could kind I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, there's they still look like younger offshoots of like matter of fact when the trailer came out everyone was like oh it's it's a baby blue bugs bunny mm-hmm. yeah. and no one corrected anything yeah. and they were like no no it's buster bunny Babs Bunny, Plucky Duck, and then yeah. they their mentors are Bugs and Daffy. Ah. And like, I think that was a Spielberg edition. He's like, okay. well, if, if you're not going to make them young Looney Tunes, you should have them be the, the professors or something. Yeah. And then it became... That's, like, that's what they did. Spielberg's genius. Yeah, t- once again. Type it, jumping t- in again. And what's great about that cartoon, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it as we get deep into the, the yeah. golden age, but uh, one thing I noticed... That was great about Tiny Toons Adventures is that it referenced a lot of the Golden Age like cartoons that may not have been readily available to everybody. Like, yeah, I believe the Dodo was represented by Go Go Dodo. Yeah, Porky and Wacky Land. Yeah, and that's not a character I really knew as a kid when I'm watching Tiny Toons. But I then see. you look back in 1938, Bob Clampett directed Porky and Wacky Land, yeah. which is, has he's speaking the Dodo bird. Wasn't that the first bi- major major Porky one that like took off? Like, I think so. it was one the of the big ones. Was that Porky really the big star? Yes, okay. he was the original Looney Tunes. It's star. weird. It was Porky, and then it was Daffy, Daffy. Yeah. and then Bugs was around, but he was. Just it was still Porky and Daffy. Then they put Porky and Daffy together, and then Bugs just kept getting bigger. And the animators right. kept like using Bugs, yeah, because he's more fl- flexible of a character. So yeah, yeah, he's he's more. So so that, that was great in that regard. Um, but what I want to get into now is like everybody's like their first exposure that you remember of the Looney Tunes themselves, like the classic Ooh. original run. Like we'll start with Nick. Oh, that's hard. Uh, so so precursor. So like I sadly didn't have a lot of friends growing up so i was inside the house all the time and i would watch disney channel or i'd watch other networks so it was fox fox kids abc um and then uh going back uh tbs and usa network had the cartoon express or whatever on usa so oh, yeah. but they would show Hanna-Bar- classic hanna-barbera and then looney tunes and so i would just watch looney tunes ad nauseum um and i i would 
and that's how I would so in the morning and probably for like a half hour an hour in the evening I would watch I would watch that um, so by the time, for example, Tiny Toons came around, like I remember Buster did like some weird bap, bap, doobadap, dee, <laughs> Bugs did that. And I was like, mm. I get what that's from because I watched that probably a week ago in a Bugs Bunny cartoon yeah. and stuff like that. So that was probably my first real um, where I would just watch it on, on TV. And, mm. and, you know, and some of the ones that are now considered you don't show anymore, I would remember, remember watching one or two of them. So, right. Yeah. What about you guys? That that's kind of similar to, to my experience. Like, well, I grew up knowing the Looney Tunes. Like, they were on ad nauseum on syndication all the time when I was yeah. a kid in the eighties, like the late seventies, early eighties. Whenever I became conscientious, I was always aware of the Looney Tunes. They mm-hmm. were always on in like half hour blocks. As I've gotten older, I recognize that they kind of divided like like on like let's say the Didn't local syndication, you'd see the Chuck Jones, like the late fifties st- early yeah. stuff a lot, like mm-hmm. Chuck Jones and Chris Freeling. But then other stations like maybe TBS would play the older shores from like the thirties and forties yeah. too on top of that. Isn't that, that weird how syndication packages would work? And sometimes you don't know if it's based around the directors involved or yeah. if it's with the studio. Uh, it, it was weird. strange how they broke it down, but I, I remember like starting to notice like, okay, so some of these might be a little bit older than the, cause I just assumed I didn't know that they were older. Mm-hmm. When you watch Looney Tunes, I just assumed, oh, they're just Looney Tunes. That's what you see. Yeah. Bugs Bunny is fighting the genie in this one, or he's fighting. Oh uh, yeah. If uh, they're not, if they're not referential, or they're cleaned up with the animation, if you see it in like 4K, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you, you wouldn't know what when the some of those Looney Tunes, like an Elmer Fudd Bugs Bunny cartoon, you you can just drop it, and people are like, when do you think this was made? And they're mm-hmm. like. I don't know. Nobody would come up with the exact. Yeah, year. yeah. You, you could say it was right. made yesterday. It's like, oh yeah, I could see that because there, there's not, you know, once he gets the when he was referred to himself as Chuck Jones, those cartoons look like oh. they were made yesterday if they're clean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's the and that's the weird thing too. It's like it's Charles M. Jones. Yeah. You know, I think the only one uh, uh, we were talking about this is is it Charles. Matt Kimson, Mick Kimson, whatever one it is, yeah. and then but Rob's or Robert McKinnon, and you're just like, oh, that name, but it's Bob mm-hmm. or Robert Clampett, Bob Clampett, and you know, oh, uh, this is a weird. I, I've actually, it's the one, it's the one you were t- uh, talking about before we started recording, the Hollywood one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hollywood steps out. Hollywood steps out. J.C. Melendez, Bill Melendez from Snoopy. Yes, yes, and I was just like. Is, Melendez? No. And I looked it up and I was like, it was. I was like, oh, yay. The guy who did, did all the classic peanut shorts yes, from like the yes. 60s. And yeah, he's also he worked the voice of, of Snoopy and Woodstock. And, well, now Disney's in charge, so you don't know. But uh, the Fox people were just like, no, reuse the old audio for the Peanuts movie. That's really Bill Melendez. That's amazing. Yeah, so yeah. like, whatever your thoughts on that movie aside, like, the best part is Snoopy. Oh, yeah, and that's Bill Melendez. Those are characters on par with the ones we're talking about, about today, yeah, too, sorry. as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, but yeah, so that's another classic anime that I thought that was really cool. So. No, that, yeah. that is great. Um, I I have a, like a weird 180 with the Looney Tunes because um, when I was a kid, I took them for granted. I always liked them. I always enjoyed them like mm-hmm. everyone else. They're Americana. It's kind of hard to strongly dislike yeah. them. Yeah. They're so much embedded in our culture. You take them for granted for that reason because at you that do. time, at least in the, in the 80s and 90s. They were everywhere. They were all over the place. Um, so I kind of didn't pay much attention to it, although I always enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. when Looney Tunes Back in Action came out, I decided to go back and revisit the shorts because I hadn't seen them in a while, and they yeah. weren't as readily available on TV like they had been. 
Yeah. And so I bought the DVD Golden Collection at the yes. time, which is amazing. But I'm gonna get, I'm gonna rave about that stuff towards the end. Yes. But That's um, a collection. um, I re- started revisiting it. And I said, this stuff is absolutely brilliant, and they play it much better as an from an adult perspective than they do even for kids because these mm-hmm. cartoons were not meant for kids at the time. Oh yeah. I mean, they were meant for everybody, but they clearly did not target kids. Like we have to brighten it up for the kiddies. Kind of like Jim Henson never intended the Muppets to be exclusively for oh, children. Know. Yeah. You know? But that yeah. just gets thrown in there because bright colors, <laughs> you know, they're well, and kids like puppets. Yes. Or Muppets, whatever they are. They, they kids are attracted to that. And it's now like the new thing for that is CGI. They, you know, it could be a horrible thing in, mm-hmm. in CGI, and it's like kids will just want to watch it because it's CGI, which is sad. Because then, sadly, two D animation and then in Muppets, they don't right. look as interesting. It's, but it, right, it'll be something that well, there's like CGI. anime is big now too, yes, right? Yeah, and yeah. yeah. that's been the a States. slow bubbling yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember in the nineties, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even even the they do like Ninja Turtles in anime style, and, and then yeah. they do. Everything I in have anime. that that's not a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> they get Zords and all kinds of stuff, or their yeah. body turns into Zords. It's yeah, like, it's it's so yeah, yeah. It's well, <laughs> sorry, that's another no, no. that's another podcast. No, that's, another that's completely completely sorry. fine. But um, yeah, but yeah. So I, I revisit, and one of the things I would love someone that's listening to this podcast today to take away is that to revisit them as an adult and, and see how absolutely yeah. brilliant these these because they're, they're works of art, they're works of great comedy, and I think people need to kind of rediscover that mm-hmm. with the fresh eyes, you know, kind of a fresh perspective on them. My my wife had never seen Duck Amuck and I was watching it the other day and and she's like, I saw a clip of this when you showed it to me like a year or two ago. I was like, Yes, but this is the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she's just like like I don't like Daffy because he's mean, but like who's doing that to him? And I was just like, just watch. It's going to be great. And then she's like, Bugs Bunny's mean. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Welcome to Daffy's side. Yeah, exactly. This is... But no, she was like, that was really creative and clever. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to, like, uh, that's one thing I noticed, especially is I, I really respond to Chuck Jones stuff in a way. Like, I think he's yeah. kind of a kindred spirit. Um, You're not alone. If you, they had the... I think and then I saw some they had a thousand animators wrote it on their favorite animated mm-hmm. animated things. I think it was shorts or what it was. And Chuck Jones had like four of the top five of yeah. all time. Yeah. yeah. And that's like across well, a- so everything. My thing with Jones is that his timing is impeccable and I do love some of his expressions, but as he's gotten older, he went more off-model, and mm-hmm. I, that's a weird thing, but I don't like off-model as much. Like, I don't mind if it's stretchy or whatever, but, like, it became very clearly not a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It became a Chuck Jones Bugs Bunny cartoon where the design and everything is purely Chuck Jones, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's nice that the artist... Because Disney won't let their right. artists probably do that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That, they're, it's bleeding into the art, which is nice. It's their stamp. But at some point, I'm just like, oh, I would love it even more. If like, And that's the one thing that Frizz Freeling did too much well, mm-hmm. was that he lost the stretch and, and pull a little bit, unless right. it's like in between, in between animation. Mm-hmm. It became too on model. And so yes. it's like, what the hell, guys? They kind of went in different the directions. directions yeah. Yeah. Like, and Because they're very similar in certain ways. But like Jones, I always think, because like, I want to talk about both those guys, yeah, but Jones yeah. especially... Almost 
had like a meta commentary on Looney Tunes themselves. Like we know these formulas at, at that point, especially towards the fifties, mm-hmm. like he had the hunting trilogy where he brought Daffy in with the, um, the mm-hmm. bugs, Elmer dynamic, but they kind of comment on that whole dynamic as they're doing like duck season, rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season. Duck Amuck is definitely breaking the fourth wall down and just commenting on cartoons in general. general. Uh, and uh, what's what's Opera Doc and like oh, uh, Rabbit so Rabbit in Seville? Those are just that, taking. What's Opera Doc is the one that was number one. They voted number one best animated. Um, yeah, and I'm actually partial to Rabbit in Seville over what's Opera Me Doc. Me too. In a so weird I way. haven't seen that in years. I would only show they would show a clip of it on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon. And it'd always be the part where he's da 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 da, and I that was that. only the clip they would show. And so I was like, so when we were doing this, I got the seven day trial for Boomerang, and they had it on there, which it was under Elmer Fudd, by the way. Mm-hmm. I would have put it under. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the rabbit, the rabbit series is under Elmer Fudd. Yeah, and, which is weird because you know, uh, to me, Rabbit of Seville would be Bugs Bunny. Me too. Um, yeah. They had What's Opera Duck also under that one makes more sense because Elmer is more the I, I feel anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Rabbit of Seville. I feel is a little bit little skosh. I didn't watch that one. Which one is that? So, so that's the one where uh, have you seen clips of Bugs playing a barber where Elmer is in the chair and they they're playing da 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 and he has like a really deadpan look. I think I I've seen it's brilliant. Um, I actually happened to watch that before. Uh, I should have mentioned that as one of the ones to watch too, but uh, Elmer's a horny bastard in a lot of this. (laughs) When when, when Bugs turns into a girl, he's like all over that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he never can. um, Yeah, poor, poor. But he's a nice guy, except for the whole murdering rabbits. But yeah, that's he's a vegetarian. He's a vegetarian. <laughs> he said he's a vegetarian. One of them was it wild? Yeah, hair? that was one of one of the the rabbit trilogy things. Like, sorry guys, I'm a vegetarian. I just shoot I just for sport. Shoot for shoot for sport. What, what, what was the last one? I watched an, I I watched one of the rabbit season ones a few days ago, and then today this morning before I came over, I watched the one where it uh, spoiler alert it ends with um, they doing the rabbit season, duck season. They're pulling the signs off, and then the last sign says Elmer season, and they both turn to Elmer and like. <laughs> there. And Elmer's like, oh, oh, that's great. <laughs> and I was just like, no, that's a great twist because I did not see that coming. <laughs> Chuck Jones' expressions, by the way, are amazing. Too. They, they like, really are. So it's... I, I want to say for even though I said that comment earlier, like they are absolutely amazing. Like some of his. So actually, the rabbit seasons ones I think are to me the definitive model sheets that they all now try to revert back to, and it's Chuck Jones acting and model. Um, to what Bugs and Daffy look like, where they still have that sly Chuck Jones. Like, matter of fact, when they both like turned and looked at each other evilly, and then looked at the camera, like we're going to hunt Elmer now. Like that's pure Chuck Jones. Yeah, and it's great, but and it's still on model though. And then um, yeah, it's such a yeah. Those are Chuck Jones is great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, there's two expressions I, that always stand out for me in Chuck Jones cartoon, especially as I become familiar with him as a, as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. One is like kind of like the deadpan, almost Kubrickian look. You know, like the Kubrick stare. He almost mm-hmm. has that in his the deadpan yep. look, and then he has like the weepy, wide eyed, like uh, innocent oh, yeah. look. And if you want a reference point outside of Looney Tunes for Chuck Jones, probably the most famous example is the Grinch Christmas special that plays yes. every year, which. You, yeah. you could easily see parallels when you when you notice like oh he directed this and a lot of the Bugs Bunny cartoons I liked or Wile E Coyote mm-hmm. and the Roadrunner which are his main creations and 
something else. He he did it more in the later years after Grinch. But if he ever did Looney Tunes a little bit before, towards the end, like he would when uh, the Grinch smile, mm-hmm. where we get ov- almost overtly expressive yeah. to the point where no face would really look like that. <laughs> yeah, um, which makes it cool. He would do that, I think, with like Wile E. Coyote a few times, where it's like, oh, I have a new Acme device. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah. it's it. So that's another nice little trademark that and. My wife, my wife bought me a book that Chuck Jones drew, and I think they did a short of it too, where I think he directed called Daffy for President. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out for like the post service or something, but um, they, I think there's a moment where Daffy gets an evil smile and it does the whole evil, yeah. So it's it's a nice little Chuck Jones thing mm-hmm. that he, he does too, yeah. I think uh, honestly, I think that Chuck Jones, especially after revisiting a lot of this stuff in recent years, I think he's on par with any filmmaker that we've ever had in America. Yeah, you know, I think he's up there with, with so many people in terms of his influence, especially in comedy. I mean, well, timing, not just animation, but comedy. And timing's hard in general, but to time it, it time, any timing in any animation across the board is hard. And the way he mastered it. You know, it, it literally is like watching a progression of a master class of watching him improve through the years and then him just becoming the master of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's impressive. And they all had their own li- weird little um, oh, a weird Frizz Freeling thing I, I caught is the whole dun 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 Yeah. No, you rabbit, it's this way. Dun 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 it just explodes. Yeah, I mean, it explodes. Uh, yeah, his timing was impeccable. I know he was a Mark Twain aficionado, and he even started dressing like Twain towards his later years. Like, oh like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was a big fan. Um, his characters that he created, like they all helped kind of mold Bugs and Daffy and some of the main characters. But his exclusive characters are like Wally Coyote and the Roadrunner. Yeah, uh, which are amazing. You know, fun factoid. Uh, this is per Chuck Jones. How many times has the Roadrunner been caught by Wile E. Coyote? I'd say once. Ooh, yes. Do you know, uh, you know which? But how? I'm not sure which one. Okay. okay, it's the one where they go through the tunnel. I think he did the gag before, but the payoff was different, which is they go through the tunnel, and the tunnel gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and they come out on the other side, and they're really small, and they go back through, and they come normal size. Well, the twist on the gag was they went through it again in that cartoon, and when they went back through to get and it got bigger... The Roadrunner was normal size, and Coyote stayed the same, and he just went up and grabbed hold of his <laughs> foot, and that was Chuck Jones. Like, that's the closest he gets to catching it. Technically, uh, he did catch him. He's mm-hmm. holding on to him, but right. whether he can eat him is another yeah. question. <laughs> so There's also a writer like Michael Maltese who wrote a lot of those Chuck Jones Yes, stories. He's a terrific with dialogue and gags. I mean, the dialogue in those the cartoons so, are amazing. So I will say that's the one thing that took me by surprise, and is being a fan of these for years. Um, and... So lately, I've been getting into Rocky and Boinkle for the past like five, ten years Great or so, stuff. <laughs> and, and, and I love Rocky and Boinkle a lot. But like a lot of it's lost to time, mm-hmm. sadly. And the Warner Brothers stuff is way more documented. But I feel like, and again, this is not to ever um, poo-poo on their greatness. But like, I feel like the names I only heard growing up, and I was interested in the stuff. Like when I would read into it, would be. The directors, the supervising animators, Tex Avery, Charles Jones, Fritz Freeling, um, I and and like when Animaniacs came out, you started hearing about Carl Starling, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, who's Carl Starling? He did the he did the music. He's brilliant, and like, and he's brilliant too. But like when you mentioned Maltese, I was like, I have no idea who that guy is. And on every title card, even if they didn't show who the director or supervising animator was, mm-hmm. he was always story or dialogue, and I was just like, oh, I don't. 
know who this guy is, and I feel that's I feel like he's kind of a footnote sometimes, which is sad because mm-hmm. he's on almost every cartoon that I watch. Whoever the director right. is, he did story, and he's you're right. Yeah, all that if that dialogue and story idea is coming from him. And then I'm now interested, well, what does the director really do in context of, which also started to blow my mind a bit, because the director, are, are they storyboarding the story from Maltese? Are they working together? I mean, they're working together because it's a collaborative medium, but like, at what point does someone, Chuck Jones or Frizz Freeling, especially when they're cooking like five out right. a year, well, what point, what, what's going on? <laughs> I, that, that, so it, it completely changed my mindscape when you said Maltese to me. And I was I know, just, like, just like, yeah, I mean, the, the writing is so crucial to these. Uh, Scott, what was your impression like revisiting some of these Chuck Jones stuff we've talked about? Oh, yeah, I, I really uh, in, enjoyed it. Um, I like his stuff better because it's just, but I, I like the other stuff, but most of, the, most of the stuff I watched was actually Chuck Jones because in general, yeah, he yeah. did it most, right? I think probably yeah. the most popular and widely known. Like one yeah. froggy evening was a one shot with "Hello, my baby." Hello, yeah. darling, the frog. Hello, that's f- that's he did a lot. I mean, of they had a lot of other like directors that they just basically did Chuck Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. at the time, if they had some other people, and we're gonna get into that because if you get into the earlier stuff from like the thirties and the forties, you're gonna yeah. definitely see more. Jones of a wasn't as much there. Yeah. He's yeah. there animating, but he's not. He's directing. not the directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not like the driving creative. Who's force. the guy who had like the nose animation where everybody had like a bright red nose? Well, it's probably like Tech Avery and, and, Clampet, and a bit of both. Because so that's the weird thing too, like. Uh, there was one short was Bugs and da- not Bugs and Daffy Daffy and Porky, where uh, directed by McKimson, but like Avery was the supervising animator or something on it. Mm-hmm. It's where uh, Daffy is thumbing for a ride with Porky, and then the other one I watched was a Clampet one, and the designs are just wildly different for Daffy, but it's it's a, it's a bizarre thing. I, I don't know. It's, it's it was really it took me by surprise. The designs were were different, and I feel like they were only like two two years apart being made there's what's really interesting when you get into the different directors is their use of the different characters and probably the most prominent is daffy like uh, bob clampett bob clampett is a really flamboyant director like he was really off the wall when it comes to looney he was like looney off the charts tex avery almost to a degree too yes i should start with tex avery tex avery was the guy like before like when Looney Tunes started, like in the late twenties, early thirties, yeah. they were an independent studio by a guy named Leon Schlesinger, who yes. Warner kind of distributed for their shorts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the early shorts, like they had a character called uh, Bosco, the oh, talking kid, oh, yeah. which is a completely racist stereotype. And mm-hmm. there are other reasons beyond that that he isn't yeah. existing now. It was it was the <laughs> time. But a lot of the characters were so much modeled on the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse yeah. back then, because Mickey was a sensation at that point. In fact, Frizz Freeling, I think, started out working for Disney. I think, yeah, he did. And yeah, he, he... they didn't get along because he said Disney was a taskmaster and he made Frizz like the target. Mm-hmm. I think they enjoyed yeah. working for Leon Schlesinger, who was just basically a cigar chomping business guy. He's like, hey, as long as it makes money, who cares? You know, just right. do whatever you guys want. And left him alone. Exactly. Yeah, he left him alone. And uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think Porky is Molly. Based after the original design, where he's like yes. really round and rotund, <laughs> minus the whole, and he he kind of had a speech impediment. I thought, or someone had a speech impediment. Yes, and, after, and I thought it was a higher up that you probably shouldn't be making fun of. Right, and I don't think he ever got wiser until like. It was too far along. Too, too big a yeah. hit. That yeah. He didn't care. I, I guess he was openly agreeing. He was like, I just want to make money. That's all. He would tell people, literally, I just want to make money and I move on, on to the top. So yeah. 
They worked in this office called Termite Terrace. They nicknamed yep. it Termite Terrace adjacent to the Warner lot. So they would mm-hmm. always work there. And then mm-hmm. he eventually sold the studio in like 1944 for a million dollars. And he thought he got got a huge deal out of this because I got them the building. And he says, no, you sold the characters to Warner Brothers. And look at them now. Like, they're so indelible. Yeah. So that was a terrible business. <laughs> Business deal at the cool. time for a guy who wanted to make a lot of money. It wasn't. Yeah, really but good. I think, yeah. but wasn't by the time Leon was, he was like in his forties or fifties anyway. Yeah, so he was older back then. Like that's like what probably what twenty million. You're on your deathbed. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're technically on your deathbed, right, and yeah. like as a fellow 65. larger man, I'm just like, bro, you're gonna have a heart attack here in like five years. Right. You know, was he was he the he was the one that was in you out to be in pictures, right? That Porky comes up. Yes, to that that was him. Yeah, uh, that was a Frizz Freeling uh, short, and and that is it, it, that's a great short because it's a precursor. If you've seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you ought to be in pictures as the precursor to that. It was made in 1940 in a mixed live action with yeah. Uh, animation. Yeah. yeah. I, well, so I'm to the point now where I don't care who did it first. Uh, but I remember when Roger Rabbit came out, they would make a big deal like, blah, 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 did it first. And then Disney would be like, no, we did it first. <laughs> and then like MGM would be like, no, we did it first with Anchors Away with Gene Kelly and, and Jerry. And I'm like... I don't, and now I'm as an, right. I'm like, I don't care. You guys did wonderful work. It's very technically that's challenging yeah, for back yes. then. It's technically like rotor, ro- uh, what is that? What I'm saying, rotoscoping, where yeah. it's like, like the lightsaber. It's the same thing. You have to go frame by frame by frame, and if you get it wrong, you could destroy the film print, which is bad. Right, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what they pulled off, and and I love you ought to be in pictures. That's a cla- like if you want to know a little bit about Leon Slicinger, that's a great short to watch because he's yeah. the star. He's like, hey, Porky. Do whatever you want. But I don't care. He'll like, be yeah, back. Actually, he'll be, like, he'll he'll be back. Be back. <laughs> and then and Daffy comes up. Is there, there one where Daffy goes into Hollywood too? There's, there might be. There's uh, a few. I feel Daffy like. goes to Hollywood and he does the same thing. And it's Chuck Jones doing the voice of a live actor. Is that and you ought to be in pictures? He does that. Well, Michael Maltese, the, the writer we reference, plays the cop, and Mel Blank does his. Mel voice. Blank does the voice. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like that's like that sounds like Mel Blank, but yeah, yeah. so I, I that's what he looks like. He does humans too, believe I, it or not. I, I didn't get to to rewatch any of them. They, they are on Boomerang, but the Three Little Bears. Um, yeah. Who is it's one? So the only other voices that were consistently doing him was Mel Blanc, June Foray, who for those out there is also Rocky the Flying Squirrel, mm-hmm. Magic of Dispel, and Ducktales, and many many other voices. Um, but then there was and I can't think it was a, it's not Starling. Uh, he, he's a, he did uh, America's History. He did like a, an album. I can't think of his name though, but he did one of the Bears. I think. I think it was a Stan Freeberg. Right? Stan Freeberg, yes, He's thank brilliant. you. Thank yeah, another you. brilliant oh, guy. Yeah, and uh, uh, so the way they would do this is when they're at Termite Tar- Terrace, Mel Blanc would. They didn't have money for a recording studio, so they would just go to a film set on Warner Brothers or whatever, and they would record in the boom mics when they were down when there was downtime setting up a shot, and so they would get to meet celebrities, but they would have to run back. And, yeah, yeah, which I thought that was that's so. Crazy. I know it, it's insane. So how um, do you get the audio from that picture? It's like, uh, yeah, we need the audio from stage thirty-four uh, between four thirty and uh, six. Uh, Mel went down and recorded some Bugs Bunny. And you're just like Jesus. <laughs> That's yeah. insane because it's so historic when you hear something like that. Yeah, I think Freeberg granted. was talking about that, and I couldn't think of his name because he's one of the few 
voice actors that's not Mel Blanc that helped right. out. Um, by the way, also sad, I couldn't find The House That Jack Built. I wanted to mm. watch that one again. And that's, that's a good one. Was that a Chuck Jones? or I'm not sure who one? directed that one. But that's uh, a, I think that's a favorite, called-in favorite to, to, Mel, to Mel Blanc. Hey, let's put Jack Benny in a, in a cartoon. <laughs> Mel, <laughs> Mel Blanc is an amazing talent. It's probably one of the few names that anybody who's not familiar with this stuff will know immediately. Yeah. Because he did pretty much the voice of 90% of the characters. Elmer Fudd, I think, was an Arthur C... What's his name? Doyle. Do- not Arthur C. Doyle. That's yeah. an author. <laughs> well, well, I mean, he could have... Be very, very quiet. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm hunting Moriarty. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. uh, uh, Brian, Arthur C. Bryant was an it guy's yeah. name. Uh, Isn't that weird, though? But he didn't... How many years... He didn't do it that long before I think Mel took over. Yeah, I think right? Mel eventually did take over for Elmer, but I think the majority of the classic shorts you watch, like What's Opera Doc and the mm-hmm. the Rabbit Season trilogy, that's all Arthur C. Bryant doing the voice. Is it of, really? Yeah, that's him. What? But the reason that you don't see his name is a Mel Blank. I guess he renegotiated his with contract, Slicinger yeah. and said, I want to raise. I want to, I want a pay raise. And, and Slicinger says, we can't afford to pay you any more than we are now. And he goes, well, if I'm not going to get paid more, I want full credit for all the voices. Now... The truth is, Mel did 90% of the voices, but there yeah. were people like Stan Freeberg okay. and Arthur C. Wow. Bryant doing some of the others, and I, they didn't get credit. I thought he only did it for the first few few years of... of, of, of but again, I haven't... That's a thing I just haven't looked into any further, because it's, it's Mel Blanc. Yeah. I think so. Mel Blanc did it Elmer later, and probably you couldn't tell. No. Well, they say in like uh, the Wabbit season uh, trilogy that the greatest like voiceover thing that voiceover artists ever heard was when Bugs plays Daffy and Daffy plays Bugs. Yes. They said that that was almost impossible to do because he played, it's hard to, he didn't go in the, he didn't play Daffy to pretend to be Bugs and just make it sound like Bugs. He made it sound like Daffy doing Bugs and then the opposite. And that's hard, man. Yeah. Like I do radio hour and, if you had to say, do Tim the time machine doing, co- I can't do that, man. It, yeah, it's it's those it's it's like almost like radio voices. Sorry for those. Listening. Yeah, I yeah. just want to be clear. But but I mean, it's hard. It's if you have Daffy as Daffy do Bugs Bunny, you're technically doing two voices in one, and it's it's up there with like the uh, where you can like mm, and do like two pitches at once. It's how hard it is. It's really hard. And, but I just mean, to figure out how to make it sound yes. like it, that's like, the thing, like the, just the creative genius to make it. Now, I will say, I, we were talking this coming up. Uh, we watched the Cecil the Turtle one, Hair, mm-hmm. hair Raising Hair. No, no. Uh, tortoise Win- tortoise Wins, Wins by hair. hair. There was like a trilogy of Cecil Turtle yeah, cartoons. And I, I watched all three in the first one where he comes, knocks on the door, and it almost looks like the first, what I would know is the fully formed Bugs Bunny, because, you know, you know, like, didn't have the yellow gloves, it was the white uh. gloves, but he sounded nothing like Bugs until, like, a good two minutes into the short, because yes. he's yelling at the turtle, and it's, like, just Mel Blanc yelling, and the turtle sounds like the turtle, but, like, and then, yeah, because then he turns to the camera and goes, why, I, I. then Bugs yeah. creeps in, I was like, there's Bugs, what is going on? It, yeah, I was like... I wonder if that was early on. I love those cartoons, and, and Cecil Turtle, I, I think, is it, it, it's great yeah. because we all we're all used to seeing Bugs win and Bugs come out on top, yes. and those are the few cartoons where Bugs actually is foiled by another character. Yeah, you know? I, I, so I think that's one of the reasons why I felt more bad for Daffy is poor mm-hmm. Bugs always just wins. And I'm just like, <laughs> look. Let let the rabbit lose every once in a while. There's the one with the penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the Chuck Jones one, um, where the penguin gets lost or something. He's like a traveling circus penguin, 
and Bugs finds him, and he's like, eh, get out of here. And then he's like, I can't let the little guy by himself. Where, 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 where's your home at? And he points, and he assumes it's Antarctica. He's pointing to a circus ad, but he can't reach that high. And so Bugs tries to take him to Antarctica. And when he gets there, he finds out that, oh, no, your home is actually in New York with the circus. And he's like, hey, hey. <laughs> Is that the one where Humphrey Bogart keeps showing up? Yes! Yeah, it's such yeah, a weird... It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I have to watch it. That's one I did not get a yeah, chance yeah. to Yeah, he always like... Do you have a penny for? Uh, he, just, he just has some one line every time. Yeah, it's the same thing, and I think every time it's one they, of the Sierra Madre. It's the Treasure Sierra Madre reference where he's like begging for change at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Oh, so they yeah. brought that in three times. He does it every time, and then at the end, he hands him the penguin and just runs away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, Bogey being a contract player for WB, that makes sense, you know. Oh yeah. So well, and also comedy rule of threes. You have Humphrey come up three <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. So even back then, they were they were nailing those points home. Yeah, uh, for those paying attention so what really happened at the beginning is uh was like warner brothers like in the 30s they were kind of developing shorts like this at the talking pig yeah talking kid and and i think there was a character called foxy the they talking were kind of, kid. it was called it was it was, was called it bosco the talk ink kid oh, oh the talk ink. Ink. Yeah, yeah i thought you said i thought you said the talking kid it's like it's a kid that could talk isn't <laughs> and isn't when didn't and then they retired bosco for a half second and replaced him with buddy and yeah, Buddy, and Buddy only did like five man. shorts, and then they what? They I think either Porky hit or they moved on. They were trying to compete with like the early sim- silly symphonies, and they were, which is Merry Melodies, yes. silly symphonies, and yes, then, yeah, because they had two divisions, Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, and Merry Melodies I think was designed to be like the musical section, kind of like silly symphonies for Disney. And the only one that sticks out, and I couldn't find to rewatch it without like. You know, going behind a paywall uh, officially was uh, I want to sing it. I love that. About it. I do too. It's a great. I, if they have Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, I don't think as a kid I ever picked up what the difference was. You don't because eventually they became essentially the same. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? Like yeah. it, it, one would say Looney Tunes and the other one they would have the oh, same. Oh, it's a Merry intro. Melody. Oh, it's the same yeah, thing. That's and, exactly. But what they I would show uh, they have the the, the the Merry Melodies would then cut to usually like the blue ribbon. Yes. And I'm like, yeah. What's the bl- and as an adult, I'm like, I should know what a blue ribbon is. I mean, I know what it is, but like in context of why it's a big deal for them. Yes. And then there's a look like an American Arts Emeritus Award or something. And I yes. was like, well, that looks cool. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what either of those things are. Officially. There's a lot of prestige for a cartoon about a duck being shot in the face, the face. with a shotgun. Yes. Yeah, so. What's the there's a Bugs Bunny theme that they go to? Like it's like that. It sounds like three blind mice. Melody, like dan dan dan, you know. The one, the one I know is It's at the beginning of all the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, da da da. Yeah. Okay. Da da da. Yeah. I don't know what that's. I know that the merry-go-round broke down is one of the themes. Is it a variation of merry-go-round? I think that might be. Oh, it goes like da 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 I don't know. It's probably a Warner song from some musical because a lot of them were standards at the time. Yeah, or it's or it's a riff on. So in the '90s, which I was thankful for, when Cartoon Network was syndicating Looney Tunes, they would release like Powerhouse, which is dun 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 dun. I love that one, but it's like a ten-minute song with a lot of movements within it. And like, you know, 
Yeah, so I and it's not just the dun 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 dun. It's yeah. not just that. Yeah, there's actually it sounds nothing like that. So it, yeah. it could be a little bit of that too, because they would mm-hmm. Carl Starling would pick and match and choose and. Mm. Well, a lot of it was designed too to, to promote the Warner Songbook too. Like they really wanted to that promote their catalog, and oh, yeah. so they would incorporate that. But that when I it's always been a favorite of mine. Like da 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 da. That's perfect for like something. Like ironic or weird going on. That was like a perfect like uh, mm-hmm. accompaniment for that kind of movement. Who wrote the Looney Tunes theme? What was like the... They were all like uh, well, I think assorted. M- yeah, I mean, merrily we roll along. I think was was that a standard that then they just? Uh, I think adapted? they were standards that they kind of adopted for cartoons. Like yeah. you know, the famous is the the Hungarian Rhapsody. It was like a classical composition. Did like, you watch Daffy's Rhapsody? No, I didn't see that Daffy's. So Rhapsody. it's a so. There's a there's a, there's a twist to it, which is Mel Blanc recorded a record. There's the Tweety Bird, I thought I thought a putty tat, the Bugs Bunny song, which in everyone's agreement is just okay. And then there's Daffy's Rhapsody, and Mel Blanc did all of them. And then when Warner Brothers ten years ago was trying to re-kickstart the theatrical shorts again with CGI to get the young kids uh, yeah. in, um, they they did Daffy. They used Mel Blanc's track. And the animation for uh, Daffy's Rhapsody is really good. They had Billy West do an Elmer. And it's okay. But literally, it's Elmer goes to a night out, and uh, he thinks he's going to watch, and he starts getting triggered because Daffy's the one on stage. And so he starts hunting Daffy on stage. But Daffy sings his Rhapsody where, you know, like, you know, uh, bang, bang here and bang, bang there, bullets yeah. flying everywhere. I can't yeah. stand it any longer. They get weak and they get stronger. Bullets <laughs> to the left of me, bullets to the right of me. Yeah, over hill and over to... It's really good, though. Right. And actually, it's one of the few times I enjoy Tweety Bird and is the I Thought I Thought of Putty Tat. Mm-hmm. And June Frey does gr- Granny Tweety. Uh, granny. She does. Wow, yeah. that's great. Um, and they, it's a singing song. Yeah, June it, Frey is also known as Rocky the Squirrel. Yes, the, Rocky uh, the Squirrel. And for other Warner Bros. fans, she's also oh I forgot her name. Witch Hazel. Witch Hazel. But who's Foghorn's neighbor slash love interest occasionally? Oh. Ooh, ooh, because yeah. Junior. She's, yeah, junior. Junior's mom. I can't think of her name right now. It's. it's it's like Gail or Dorothy or something like that. Um, so it's Ooh. interesting when you go back. Like, uh, So they were kind of aping Disney at the time. And yes, they were. Stuff. I want to sing it. But then Tex Xavier was hired. I guess Tex Xavier didn't have much of a background as far as directing concerned, but Leo Slicinger didn't care. He was like, oh, you sound like you're a credible guy. So he hires him, and it changes it from the cute cuddliness of yeah. Disney, and gradually it moves into more irreverent kinetic movement with people like Bob Clampett right and and Frizz Freeling and then uh, I Love to Sing uh, is is a great example of maybe one of the earlier Warner shorts with Al Jolson it's a parody of the oh yeah of um, I think it's the when they all do like the bouncy the jazz singer yeah yeah, Yeah. and they do the bouncy animate about the moon and the June and the spring. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, so that's a hypnotic cartoon. It always works for me. It is. And you know what? And if, if your first instinct is to not like that kind of, like, well, it's just a style of 30s and mm-hmm. 40s movies, too, sometimes. Like, not the good ones, but the mediocre ones, where yeah. it's just it just feels like it's a bubbly, like, everything's perfect. You know, this mm-hmm. is going to have a happy ending thing. That's how all of them, Disney and Looney Tunes, are, you know, Merry Melodies were. And, like, that one just pops out it, it doesn't fall into that it's mm-hmm. it transcends it's it's it so does. good and, <laughs> it's so good and uh as it, as it moved on you, you started getting like porky pig was developed and then daffy duck and then yeah. eventually bugs bunny <sighs> bugs. but um one of the great examples of that period is was an animator named bob clampett who like tech yes. saver is kind of a very reverent guy and you have to watch we've 
Porky and Wacky Land, which we referenced earlier. Yes. So 1938, it is a great work of surrealism. It is just over the top, crazy, mm-hmm. yeah. black and white cartoon. Did you happen to I watch watched that one. I, I like that one a lot. Yeah, it's insane. And I, I love I love Porky. I love the early Porky stuff. Yeah. It's, black and white Porky is great. I, that's the one thing I feel like Porky, I feel, is the, out of all of them, he's the one that has changed the least in terms of personality. Yeah. Um, Porky has kind of stayed the path. Um, he gets mad when he gets mad. He tries not to. He usually can hold off his temper for the most part really well, but every once in a while he'll blow his top. But um, and he has his stutter. But overall, he's just he always tries to do the right thing. Um, and granted, sometimes he might be hunting or something like that. Yeah. And that's where he gets daffier and, and gets someone else's wrath. But I mean, he has that personality has not really changed or mutated. Where it's not like Bugs, Bugs, completely personality and voice was or something like this, and then he came like this, Doc. Yeah, you know, you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> um, Elmer, no matter who was doing the voice, he had kind of changed a little bit too. Um, you know, it's it's bizarre. Daffy, especially, was Daffy, and then he became, you know, Fowler Precision's cousin or whatever that yeah, word yeah. is. And he, it's it's bizarre. It's there's one where he's like halfway between both of them, where he talks like that, but then you know, just do that. <laughs> You just start j- jumping yes. around. Oh, uh, yeah, I love it's a movie. hybrid Daffy. Yeah, it's a hybrid. Yeah, um, Bob Clampett is probably the master of the wacky Daffy. He's the one who yes. made Daffy Daffy versus the greedy Wee. Chuck Jones yeah, um, Daffy. I, I love I love both equally, but mm-hmm. like I, the Daffy one, the like what's the one? I think it's Elmer. He's boxing Elmer, and yeah. he's I, I don't know if it's Clamp or not, but it's Daffy Duck, and he's just like he's like. Here are the rules. No beating between the wealth. Nothing like this. Poom. Or like this. Poom. And he's just beating the crap out of Elmer. <laughs> and you're just like... <laughs> a great example of Clampett Staffy is called the Great Piggyback Bank Robbery, which is a Dick Tracy parody. That's what it was. I was, it's, it's I was terrific. looking for that. Uh, and, and it's all over the place. And Clampett style uh, is very... Like, he'll have a like a one eye just pop out. A character will turn into a complete eyeball. Yes. And yeah. for a split second to move out. It's very kinetic. It's over the top. Um, I know the creator of Red and Stimpy was a huge fan of Clampets and kind yes, of took and his style his favorite and, and moved in. One is that one. I'm not normally drawn to, drawn to over the top stuff, but I do like Clampet style. Uh, I have to do a shout out to Joel Savage from Savage Tech. He's a big Bob Clampet fan. Oh, is in fact, he? All yes. his favorite versions of the characters are the Bob Clampet versions over nice. the Chuck Jones and stuff. Well, He's, isn't it interesting design wise? Daffy's. Uh, beak is more elongated, and they don't yeah. have the the top part of I don't what you call it like the curve of the bill is not necessarily there unless it's doing like a three fourths turn or something like that. It was it was one of the weird things I was noticing. I was like, well, maybe there's hints of where Jones and the rest of them added that later on, but yeah, no, I yeah. Clampett's Daffy was amazing, and um, you know Clampett. If you want examples, we said definitely Porky and Wacky Land, also mm-hmm. uh, the Great Piggyback Robbery, and he directed one of the tor- Cecil Turtle. Shorts. I think it's the one like Tortoise wins. I think by it's, a the hair, yeah, it's the second one. It's the one where he puts on the uh, the old bug. man. <laughs> well, no, Bugs puts on the turtle costume yes. to win. And there's a suicide joke that I'm surprised <laughs> Boomerang left in because I remember on the Golden Collection, I think Leonard yeah. Moulton came out and ha- before the short is like, "Hi, I'm Leonard Moulton," and there's some humor in here that you you know like a warning yes. you could skip. And I was just like, "Oh," I, and I, I thought nothing of it. Be at the end where it's like. 
Um, he's like, I'm the rabbit, you guys. I'm the <laughs> rabbit, and I lost because you stopped me. And he's like, and now he tells us, and they shoot himself in it's the head. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's sick, but it's amazing. amazing. That it doing is. Suicide but they don't. Jokes they randomly. don't. But they don't focus on it. You know what they I mean? Don't. Like, it's it the goes, gag, and they cut out. It's a joke. It's meant to be just a comment. It's a cartoon. I mean, cartoons. I mean, how many times has Daffy shot in the head? And it, oh yeah, it, rabbit season, duck season, that whole and thing. By, and by the way, the way the duck spins different places all the time it always amazes me yeah too. what was like, it the one the mm-hmm. one with elmer season at one point yeah. his head's completely upside down <laughs> it almost looked like it's like there's a a, a a pivot on his neck and it just went backwards mm-hmm. but it somehow got turned around he's like the world seems upside down to me right now and i don't I know that. why <laughs> um I, i'm not to say that i don't see the world in a strange way i sometimes do but it's like this looks very weird <laughs> i'm just like it's it's wonderful. The other guy, like uh, mentioned, Tex Avery. Tex Avery was the guy who directed the first fully formed Bugs Bunny cartoon, which is considered like the official Bugs uh, debut w- called A Wild Hair. Yes, yes. It was the first Elmer Bugs cartoon. And was it Elmer, or was it like in the, it was like Egghead? Yeah, he was called a character called Egghead Elmer, and then he evolved eventually into. Isn't Elmer. that weird? Yeah. yeah, it's strange. And I love watching that stuff. I love watching the evolution. Of well, this wasn't stuff. in Porky's not Porky's Duck Hunt, but like Daffy's because then they did Porky's Duck Hunt, which was Daffy. That was Daffy's debut. And then didn't they do like a remake of it where it was Egghead, but it, the Egghead sounded more like Jack Benny or something like that? But it was more like an elongated Egghead. Yes, and I think it was like Rabbit Hunt, right? Like where there was a wacky rabbit. There was a prototype the bugs called a Wacky Rabbit. Well, anymore. I thought it was. Daffy though too, and then they did yeah, another Daffy one. Daffy did have one too. Yeah, like, they, yeah, they did have the White Rabbit one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, yeah, I watched that one, and that was it. Was another remake. And it's it's funny when I say like this is the first official Bugs Bunny cartoon because it's like we take for granted it's so much part of our culture and embedded yes. in our DNA of Bugs and Elmer. We know that by heart, but this is the first time, time. anybody had seen something like that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Bugs took off as the most popular cartoon character during World War II because it was 1940 when A Wild Hair came out. Jeez, I and, thought it came out before. Yeah. And I think of Bugs just as like a timeless character anyway, but I think especially in World War II, there's something about Bugs' gusto that I think would have been really appealing during that area. I don't know why, but there just seems to be... Oh, I forget who it was. It was Clampett or Jones. Someone said that... They borrowed from everybody, but, like, he had the confidence of Groucho Marx. Yes. And, and I think, I mean, if, if you put a gun in my face, if animated or not, I would not stick my finger in the barrel, you know, and just go, eh, what's up, Doc? Yeah. I would not do that. My thought would be maybe put my finger in the barrel and I was like, yipe, and then <laughs> run away. I wouldn't do that. But he just casually, like, he puts the finger in there, and he's like, I feel bad for him. I'll let him capture me. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. what? No. I was like... <laughs> Such I a, like that. I like when they make him eat the carrot for like long period of time. Me where too. He takes a bite and he's just like chomping. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it just sits there just so yeah. casually. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great time too. Like, uh, like well, I would mention about Tex Avery too. Is he eventually moved on to MGM where he directed a, like a lot of one shot type shorts. They didn't have characters that really stood out like a, like a Popeye or a Mickey Mouse. They yeah. were, but they were mostly just one shots. They were almost kind of risque for their time. Was it the wolf? Yes, it's the Little Hot Riding Hood, which yeah. is a parody of the Little Red Riding Hood, except she's a lounge singer, and they have the wolves, actual wolves in the audience, like, you know, basically harassing her, essentially, you know. Did- but it was became, like, I know Zemeckis loved Tex Avery, and that was a huge influence on Roger Rabbit, not yeah. only the style of the, of the animation, but also Jessica Rabbit, especially from Little Hot Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the inspiration for that. Yeah. Game, right? 
Um, and booby trap. The Blu-ray is going to mention they do have a <laughs> section. Sorry. He has the booby trap. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's a. Clampet it still joke. works even now. I, I feel like know? that's an Avery Clampett joke. That is it's it's completely. Very much so. yes. Yeah, they were the ones that really gave more of the cutting edge, the cartoons during that time. <laughs> um, but this is a good point. Like at, uh, since we're talking about bugs, I'd like to go. Everybody name their five favorites. Uh, we'll start with Nick, and we'll yeah. go across the room. Their five favorite Looney Tunes characters. So, in order, if possible. Uh, okay, so I'm going to... Daffy is... I love Daffy. And why? And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I just... I like Chuck Jones' version of him, but I like Daffy, and I feel like I'm Daffy. I, I, there's no rhyme or reason why I do things sometimes. Uh, so I... And, and I just gravitate towards Daffy. I, I, especially in the Chuck Jones years, he becomes the underdog. Mm-hmm. And so then you know, I was like, well, I'm the underdog, kind of, too. Like, the rabbit will never get his due. Um, and, and, now, and to be fair, I'm also a duck guy on the other side of the fence. So it's not like I'm picking, you know, ooh, yeah. Daffy. Uh, uh, and then after that, I, I guess belligerently I would say Bugs Bunny because I do enjoy him. He's very funny, but it's just like I wish him he was further down the list for Daffy's sake, but he's yeah. not. <laughs> and then, no, I know, I know. And then I would That's probably funny. say Foghorn Leghorn. And then I, I I put them together, but Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner, mm-hmm. um, and that their gags are just so on point. Um, you know, at some point it does become the same thing over and over again, depending on who's directing. Um, like Freeling, I didn't think had a good grasp of the character. Well, the gags were the same, mm-hmm. but Jones would do the same gags, but would add a twist, and that's why Jones created them. So mm-hmm. it makes more sense why he would do that, um, have a little bit more edge, but. Um, so was it uh, Daffy, Bugs, uh, Foghorn, Wiley e. Coyote, and Roadrunner? And for the fifth one, I mean, I guess because he's he's there and he does have some good stuff uh, is Porky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I always tend to like Porky when he's with another character. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a fan of Sylvester and Tweety for the most part. I, nothing against those characters, but. Um, or I, I like Sylvester or Twee with other characters, mm-hmm. not just by themselves. It's a weird thing. Understandable. Well, I, I don't know if it's maybe because I just watched Tom and Jerry a lot, like the original Tom and Jerry. By the way, did Tex Avery do Tom and Jerry for a little bit too? I think it was Hanna, Hanna-Barbera, actually. Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. where I was getting. Um, you got because he did Droopy, right? Yeah, he, he did. Tex Avery did do Droopy. That's yeah. probably his most famous character. Yeah, Droopy. Um, so I, I don't. Is that that going down? Yeah, okay. that's, that's going Droopy down. Dog. Yeah, Droopy Dog. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wrong floor, sir. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, only for Roger Rabbit, but I, I don't know what else he did. Was he always a, a tenant actually, in an elevator? <laughs> no, no. He he usually was the victim of the wolf, though. The wolf oh, was always yeah. like yeah. picking on him. Matter of fact, I think he might have showed up for a cameo in the Little Red Riding Hood thing short maybe like I, he might have it's yeah. it's something where he wasn't supposed to catch on and people loved him and then Tex Avery started putting him in and also he did uh, Screwy was Screwy Squirrel Warner Brothers though that Screwy Squirrel was Avery and he did it for uh, MGM MGM that's yeah. what it was they referenced him to Roger Rabbit like go to Screwy Squirrel and I'm like who the hell is Screwy because they weren't in the syndication when we were kids yes. Sque- yeah did, did Mel Blank do Captain K- Captain Caveman's voice yes he did yes, okay he, did. Yeah, he also did Woody Woodpecker Oh yeah, the original. Who's the the original yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain K. Yeah, because that that sounds like Mel Blanc. That yelling. Oh, that uh, classic Mel also Blank fun fact: there are so many more Flintstone shows than I knew about when I looked at Boomerang. Because I was just like, oh my youth, and because like syndication, and it's like Galaxy Goof Ups. That's Yogi Bear. But I was like, what in the hell? 
Flintstone Power Hour? What is going on? Yeah, because I think one of the things channels is like a shmoo. I was like, what's a shmoo? And it's like, it's in the Flintstones. What? <laughs> Sorry. I remember the, the, the Flintstones cartoon with Pebbles and Bam Bam as teenagers and rock bands. I did too. Now see, yeah. I, I, I remember mm-hmm. that fondly and then I watched it and I was like, oh, Sally Struthers is Pebbles. I guess that's cool. And then on Jay North is Bam Bam. That's all I got to say about that. I, I didn't finish watching the episode. Sally Struthers, man, I didn't know that, that she was the yeah. voice. And, Holy crap. Yeah, and so the Schmoo cartoon, when I looked up on Wikipedia, they said that Sally Struthers didn't come back because she got on the family at that point, so she couldn't do both. And I'm just like, <laughs> so oh, the way <laughs> she chose the, the, you know, the, the Emmy winning series <laughs> over playing Pebbles. Well, I remember that. Over Lear over Hanna Barbera. You know? Yeah, that was, man. Yeah, I remember the the adult kids. That was uh, yeah, and they yeah. Oh, by the way, if you want to see something really bad, Galaxy Goof Ups is they're trying to capture the whole '70s disco. So Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Mel Blanc doing a Daffy Duck character that's not Daffy, but it clearly is Daffy, and then Scaredy Bear, who I don't really remember, but they go disco dancing, and but uh-huh. it's in space in the future. It's I mean, it's it's horrible, but the animation is like. 70s Disney like, where it's like really fuzzy, not well. Mm. My least favorite Hanna Barbera <laughs> 70s cartoon while we're on the topic was the Hair Bear Bunch. Remember those? Oh guys? my god, uh, they would show up all the time. It's terrible. It, yeah. it is, but like it's a weird, it's like it's a it's a good bad one, you yeah, know? Yeah, because yeah, it's like Schneidling. <laughs> it was such a ripoff of Yogi ooh, Bear. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Mr. Peoples, Mr. Peoples, Mr. Peoples. What was the one when they had like the supercars and the, the trees? All oh, uh, Shirt Tails. Was that Shirt Tails? Yeah, it might have been Shirt Tails. I don't think it was Shirt Tails. They had They, they had, had like, dragsters in the trees. Oh, no? oh, no. Okay. They they had, like, a car that could come out of the tree, and they would go on missions and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, 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 I yeah, yeah. But, but, no, in terms of what you're talking about, I don't I don't know then. You don't recall it? You no. remember that show, that cartoon where they had... I knew this one, but they had the dragsters in the trees. Was and it Trollkins you're thinking of? Trollkins, yeah. Trull- oh, God. Oh, wow. I That's know a that deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought the that up. We have, it's only, always resonated with us is because we could never figure out the name of that cartoon because it always drove us Trollkins, but there's a... Uh, I mean, that was on TBS, right? TBS yeah. would have Looney Tunes. Like yeah. Sean mentioned, they would play the Looney Tunes shorts and they would play these crappy Hanna Barbera cartoons from the 70s afterwards. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. The one I do like, I, 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 just because I have an affection for the characters, Hong Kong Fooey, just Oh yeah, oh, yeah. My God. Scatman Crothers. Yeah, yeah. So, so see, that was the great thing is that you'd watch Hanna Barbera on USA Network, and then they would end it with Looney Tunes, and that was trying to get us back a little bit. Sorry, yeah, that, I'm That's the one right. who got us yeah. on that bad on, on that round. Tangents are fine. Yeah, the yeah, tangents are tangent, you know, tangents <laughs> approval here. Well, you got to talk about how bad Hanna Barbera was in comparison a lot of times. So. Oh yeah, which is sad because yeah. you know they are a lot of people are working their butts off, yeah. but like. The animation animation. sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, what was it? Uh, This is for you guys. When they, if you watch any moment with the band, which Hanna Barbera did a lot because they were trying to hit the kids, is they would do like a one, two, one, two, one, left, left, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes then they would pause and switch it up like, we're not reusing the same animation, but we (laughs) are. They're like, uh, Jabberjaw. Yes. Jabberjaw. Joe seen the Pussycats was okay. It, ha- it was not great, but it had moments of... They reused a lot of oh. concepts and animation. I mean, yes. it was like oh, they oh, just... No, totally. they, they, they're basically a recycling company. Oh, my they goodness. They recycle the beats. 
animation, like you said, the overall concept. Well, Captain Caveman, and then he had, Everything like, was a yeah. Scooby-Doo Jabberjaw, and yeah. Scooby-Doo. And yeah, which, yeah. Scooby's the best. Scooby does work. I mean, that... that it does, And it's yeah. proven because it, it resonates with every generation now, The character so. of Captain Caveman was unique. I, I didn't see yeah. that. I don't just, think he needed to be in, in a detective series. He could have just made him a, cap, a caveman. Yeah, exactly. Like the prehistoric times, like Oh, the that's right, because he was... He was on the Flintstones for a while, he, too, he, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it was the Flintstones comedy. Uh, see, I went into a deep dive when I saw yeah, that. It was nuts. Uh, yeah, it started as like a side character, and then he became very popular, and so <laughs> his role, his segments got bigger. We need yeah. to uh, match him up with some teenagers and, you know, there you go, go. solve a mystery. <laughs> so what was, was that your full list? That was my was full that, list, I'm like, sorry. No, yeah. no, I, that's fine. Uh, I'll go with 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 mine. I'm gonna start with Wiley e. Coyote is my favorite. Oh yeah, I love I love the Wiley e. Coyote when he's paired with the Roadrunner and the reactions are amazing. And Chuck Jones does a great job. I love when Wiley e. Coyote's paired with Bugs. And yes, and he has the pretentious Fraser Crane styled voice, and it's like a precursor to the sideshow Bob. I think you know because it's oh. like I am Wiley e. Coyote, super genius, and that's Mel Blank again mm-hmm. with this prototype for like a pretentious intellectual voice. That so, carries it's over. So beautiful. But Operation Rabbit is a, is a quintessential cartoon that pairs Bugs with Wiley e. Coyote, and I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. And, yeah. And uh, that's the Wiley e. Coyote I'm referencing. But in general, I love the character. I love the design. I'm going to do a side note that I love Ralph Wolf, which we talked about yes. being kind of like uh, the best ripoff character with Sham Sheepdog. I love those cartoons too. Do they only so, have like five or eight of those? I feel yeah, like. there's only like like. But isn't it funny how little of them there are, but they're so good and <laughs> they're, they're just, they are. They stick out, man. What I love about it is just the conceit where they clock into work again. It's Chuck Jones breaking down the fourth wall of cartoons with Predator and Prey. They're clocking in, doing their job, going after the sheep and the sheepdog guarding them, and then they clock out and they stop everything they're doing. I just love that conceit. In well, those cartoons. And isn't it interesting in terms of human nature? It's an interesting point that Jones may or may not have touched on, which is, is like, yeah, you might be conflicting with someone at work, but at the end of the day, you can still be friends with them at the end of the day. It's just yeah. even though you have different views and viewpoints. You know, I, it's, 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 a, it's, 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 a, it's a deep cut when you kind is. of think about it. And you're just like, in a freaking cartoon, man. He's, he's a genius, man. It's just like, just, it's so, so concise in storytelling, those are, too. Yeah. Two is going to be Daffy. I love mm. Daffy Duck. Um, I, I, I am partial mm-hmm. to the, the greedy, more intellectual too. Daffy uh, from Showbiz Bugs and like the, the hunting trilogy oh, and yeah. Duck Amuck. I mean, Daffy is an amazing character. He's Salieri. Like, I look at Salieri, it's like, you're Daffy Duck, oh, <laughs> essentially. Yes. You're jealous, you're envious of somebody else mm-hmm. trying to undermine and derail other people. Why um, have they not made a parody of that? I, I've been trying Warner to do Brothers stuff like calls. that. Yes, I'm gonna, they own the rights to all of it now, I think. So. Really do. Um, but I, uh, Daffy is an amazing character. I also love like the, the, the screwball Daffy, like we talked about reference oh, yeah. to the Piggy Bank robbery yeah. cartoon. Yeah. Um, He's an amazing character, and I know a lot of people name Daffy as their favorite cartoon character. And that. when you talk about the four, like probably the most four most famous cartoon characters, probably Bugs, Mickey, Donald, and Daffy. Mm-hmm. Oddly, two of them are ducks. Two, the two main characters. Isn't that weird? That yeah. is weird that they and, and then there's that classic Roger Rabbit scene where they're playing piano oh, together. That is one is, of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. in cinema. It's, ever. It, and it, I just it, wish it could go on longer. <laughs> you know how much that frame is probably worth to people? That animation sells. Oh my god, <laughs> gotta I, be I, astronomical. It's, Same with Bugs and Mickey paired together. That's oh, another. I, I have uh, I have a GIF I use at work when things are going bad. 
where uh, don't, when, and they're just like, don't worry, management will help us out of this. And I give them the gift where it's Mickey and Donald, or Mickey and Bugs falling, and they hand Eddie the the blank thing, and then he pulls it, and it's a tire. <laughs> it's a spare tire, and he goes, oh, no. Yeah. I was just like, yes. That, that brings me to my third, which is Bugs. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny is an amazing character. One, one thing I would mention about Bugs and Daffy before I go right into Bugs those characters are so malleable, and they adjust so well to different scenarios. And the way that the character, like they, they can use them in so many different scenarios, and they work every time. There's just something sturdy about those characters. You can throw them into a wide range of situations, and they always work. I feel I mean, like out of all the characters, the two of them could, if you had to update them without changing them too much, they could quickly adapt into a newer pop culture like setting. Yeah, which is nice. As much as I, you know, I respect Mickey Mouse and his iconography and how yeah, important he is. Yeah, he's a little bit lame. I mean, I like it, Mickey, but but Bugs is the definitive American yeah. cartoon character. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the number one. If you, if you want someone, if you want brand recognition, it's Mickey Mouse all the way. Mm-hmm. But if you want someone that they will enjoy watching. Now, I will say the new Mickey Mouse cartoons are giving that a run for the money. You've mentioned that, and I, and, I agree with that. And, and I'm surprised, and even I, like, I'm now, like, watching them on this, the YouTube channel. I'm like, give me more, give me more. Like, Paul Ruddish is doing a great job with those. And I don't love the designs for everyone, but because they're kind of old school, mm-hmm. but, like, in a new way. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's a taste thing. But it's still really well done. But, and it's getting Mickey back to his mischievous roots, mm-hmm. because Disney realized when he's like, well, Mickey's kind of the face. I can't have him be doing stuff. And Warner Bros. is like, no, we'll let Bugs do whatever. Yes. And yeah. Bugs will be on the studio. We don't care. And that's where Bugs is great. Yeah, I think an issue, too, with, with Disney was, like, they keep such a tight reins on their intellectual property that those shorts aren't as widely seen. But I would say yeah. to the person on the street, like, okay, comparing Mickey to Bugs, I say, name five Mickey shorts outside Ooh. of Steamboat Willie. And people probably won't, wouldn't be able to say, so just name five bug shorts. Like, oh, the one where he's singing opera. Oh, the one yeah. the season rabbit season. Or they know him by heart. I yeah. mean, and so like I the three think, of us could maybe name more than one Mickey Mouse cartoon because yes. we pay attention We're to that We're exceptions stuff. to the role in that one. Exactly. But. So, like, yeah, like the, the, the dancing cards and he's dancing on the cards. And, but that's it. I remember him more with Mickey and, Don, or Mickey and Goofy or Donald and Goofy. Like they, like they, they hunt the ghosts. And, but, again, that's... Yeah, you're reaching. It is. Bugs, and you remember almost everything. Yeah. They were so creative with Bugs, too, with all the antagonists they gave him. Like, you know, they Elmer did. Fudd and Yosemite Sam and Gossamer, the giant, weird-looking creature. They were so oh, insanely creative yeah. with giving him Marvin the Martian. Him. Yes. Uh, and uh, towards the end, Tasmanian Devil, which... Yeah. And he has, like, blown up to completely different levels. He is. And he's, they're all, I mean, that's, they're geniuses. They just created all these amazing characters. But mm-hmm. Bugs, I mean, it's that cool, calculated, irreverent, that Groucho Marx. I mean, Mickey Mouse was Chaplin. Bugs was Groucho. That's yeah. kind of the way to compare the two. Mm-hmm. And those substitutions, it changes the refunds. And there's so many masterpieces yeah. with Bugs. So he's number three. Number four is Sylvester, oddly enough. Because no, I, I, I respect Sylvester as a utility guy. Because he was I'll in so many that. different shorts, he was played off with so many different characters, and I think he's funnier than we we take him for granted. Because like I think that's part of it. Because Tweety and Sylvester, we just it's kind of in the ether. But when you take it apart and see him in other things, he's really well, there. Because sometimes he would well show up as the character. cat in the background, like waking Porky up or Daffy up, like you know keeping him up all night, and then Porky or some or Elmer, someone 
would throw a shoe at him. And I, yeah, because then that's how I learned about the song Moonlight Bay. Mm-hmm. Is the cats was like they would I'm a walking all along, <laughs> keep it down. And then they you know and so and I don't think it was Sylvester officially, but it's Sylvester. Mm-hmm. He has the red nose. It's the white black putty cat. Yeah. There's a great uh, Frizz Feeling cartoon, which is a Tweety and Sylvester cartoon called Birds Anonymous, where where Sylvester discovers that he's is addicted. Good. Yes. <laughs> he's addicted to bird killing, so he goes to these alcoholic anonymous style meetings to get over eating birds and he keeps failing and the, and the guy that is the sponsor essentially starts getting addicted as well the cat oh yeah 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 it's, that's such a <laughs> yeah that's such a that's such, such a, a dark it's yeah. dark too yeah. like, well, one where he goes to hell so Esther goes to hell and meets Satan who's a bulldog you yes, know because yeah. he has nine lives and he's wasting a couple so that's four my fifth one changed because I was originally going to say oh. Pepe Le Pew who I love and problematic character today, yes, but he is. certainly, uh, I guess if you look at it within outside of that, it's kind of an interesting dynamic, and it was a he's a likable character. Well, they're animals. Um, yeah, they are, they're animals. <laughs> they are. He's a skunk. Uh, he literally is a skunk. So, is it always yeah. the conceit is it's always like a, another animal that's not a skunk is painted to look like a skunk, and then he falls for that animal. That's yeah, like yeah. 80%. And it's almost always a cat that and they're gets French. Painted. Yeah, yeah, a cat that gets painted in. So, so I mean, in retrospect, like, and again, this is you know my white privilege com- coming through a little bit, but like, I kind of feel like, yes, it's it's doesn't hold up as well, but it's just like they are making more, in my opinion, more fun of the f- the idea of what the Frenchman yes. was back then. It's a but French that's parody. not, but that's not what they they're saying is bad. It's the fact that he's all over the women or whatever. I'm like, yes, but back then that was the. He's like, if there was a Frenchman around, keep ladies watch out because he is a you know a Casanova, and you know, mm-hmm. and, but, and of course they flip that on Chuck right. Jones and them flip that on his head, and you're just like, oh, he's not a Casanova, <laughs> no, no, and no. he's a skunk. Yeah, he's a skunk, and he smells. And I love how they animate his scent too. Like that actually has an actual like mm-hmm. lip, you can actually see the scent come out. Yeah. But five changed to Porky. After watching this, like yeah. Porky's a great everyman character, and mm-hmm. I, I, a character I might have taken for granted, but I love Porky. I mean, the more I watch the, these Porky shorts, the more I appreciate yeah. the dynamics. And Mel Blanc's voice is terrific for that character. He is, yeah. It's it's a relatable everyman, very likable. He's an insanely likable character, Porky. Like he really mentioned. is. Like, and I remember um, when I was watching stuff to to prep up for this, I forgotten. Um, I remember Porky and Daffy being together, but I forgot like how well they worked together because my first thought was, oh, a Porky cartoon. I mean, I should watch a few Porkies. I wasn't excited about it. And the more I watched, I was like, why did I feel that way? Porky's fantastic. Like he's a very well-rounded character. Um, you know, and his, and also he, he, he's was the most fully formed out of all of them right out of the box Mm -hmm. and his look has changed, but he hasn't. And that's kind of awesome. Like, yeah, and then, yeah, he's the Everman. You can stick him in any situation. Mm-hmm. While Bugs and Daffy can be malleable and however you need them to be, which is good, Porky is the same way in a different way. And, and that's what makes him, yeah. It's amazing. I agree. So, Scott, uh, yeah. let's go on to your top five. Um, my top five would be Barry Longhorn, Faith, Foghorn, Longhorn, Foghorn, Foghorn. I got you, bud. <laughs> that's a Mel Blank uh, troop. Foghorn, right here. I say. Um, I say that, boy. I say. I say. I say. I like the Tasmanian Devil. Um, just kind of a. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the the Coyote, Wiley Coyote, and the Roadrunner. I guess you guys counted them as one. 
Um, I count them mine as separate. You count them as separate. You count them as one. Mine, so. Yeah. Well, I'll count them as both then. <laughs> um, and that leaves. I mean, I like Bugs Bunny. I mean, that's no, no, Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam. Sam. I love. And then Bugs Bunny. Uh, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, he's in there. I mean, it's hard to. <laughs> I love Yosemite Sam though because he's just like, especially there's one way he runs from air and Bugs runs against them. Yeah, that's that awesome. was that was one I rewatched. Yeah, um, and yeah, that was uh, that. Yeah, because Bugs here he's drinking carrot juice and he just here happens to hear Mayor for Mayor elect Yosemite Sam just go and I'll hunt every rabbit and he's like, mm-hmm. well, that's no I. I gotta, I gotta fight that somehow. Well, I know how. I'll run for mayor too. Yeah. And then, oh, and then the twist at the end, which is not their greatest twist, is uh, is the mayor is elected mayor, which is a the mayor horse. Wow. And, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And because yeah. they're fighting with each other, and all of a sudden you see a band go da 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 da, <laughs> and they they both like walk up, and it's the horse, and they're going. <laughs> I always loved when uh, Bugs would con- convince Yosemite Sam to dance because he would start doing the dance, Marmot dance. They're not. They weren't afraid to have Bugs lose at times. Like, well, not not win. Not so much lose, but not win. Like in that mayor race where he didn't like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did not. That so yeah, that made me. Yeah, so so as much as I get on bugs for always winning over Daffy, at the same time, the, I'm surprised to see how many times where bugs, he didn't always come out on top. He didn't lose, but he didn't win either. Like they yeah. like that, and that was one of them. Yeah, that was also one of the ones where the da 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 da. No, no, no. Yeah, I love that too. Like uh, a, a really great bugs cartoon. Well, I like Witch Hazel shorts because that's a great antagonist. Yes. Uh, that was June Foray, I think, mm-hmm. playing. And then the hair raising hair is the one with Gossamer, mm. has the Peter yes, Laurie styled scientist, <laughs> yes, where monsters are such interesting people. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great gag, and it ends with him chasing after a mechanical robot rabbit, female rabbit. He goes, "Well, it's mechanical, so it's mechanical," and he just like that's the stuff where he loses but accepts his loss because he's gaining something. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, well, what's the one where? I mean, I don't know. Daffy more lost, but Daffy won at the same time. Where it's a Freeling. It's I actually it's probably the one Freeling gets applauded for the most in the later years. Is uh, Bugs and Daffy are doing the show, which was a precursor. Showbiz Bugs. Showbiz yeah, Bugs is the precursor great. to the Looney Tunes Hour. Yes, the where opening. Where they go out there and. But Daffy will do and it's really good acting from blank. Daffy goes out and like is doing serious acting like Shakespeare. Silence. <laughs> Bugs just goes, and eh, what's up, Doc? Audience loses their shit. Mm-hmm. And Daffy's just king more and more and yeah. more mad. And finally he's like, All right, you're forcing my hand and I can only do it once. <laughs> and then and then he which is he blows himself up and he goes right to heaven. And he's like, Yeah, that's the problem. They love it, but I can only do it once. <laughs> you're like Showbiz Bugs is one of my favorites, and I think it's one of the best Bugs Daffy pairings. Probably maybe the quintessential Daffy pairing. It is, and yeah. Outside of Rabbit Season, it really is because, yeah. Mm. Well, getting Poor on Daffy. Freeling, uh, one of my favorites is, is a one shot called Three Little Bops, which is a yes. jazz styled. It's instead of using Carl Stalling or even Mel Blank, it has uh, Stan Freeberg narrating 
with uh, Shorty Rogers, who's a great jazz musician, and it's just a musical the old imperial jazz. And he's like, Big Bad Wolf is like a, trying to join the, the like the trio of the Three Little Pigs, and they won't let him in, which kind of makes him very sympathetic. Because like, why is he being rejected? He's not trying to eat them. He just wants to yeah, join the band. Yeah, it's one. Of the, isn't that weird? That you feel bad for the wolf in that one, and yes. your first instinct is because everyone watches the Disney cartoon where the wolf is bad and then yeah. you, you hear it in any other story and then that one it's like oh he just wants to play yeah, he just wants to join in on but the, he's also uh, bad yeah, he <laughs> he's also bad he's but, terrible but then of course the, the lesson is is that sometimes you have to burn That's and right. go to hell sometimes you gotta get hot before you, you get, get cool, cool. yeah I mean. <laughs> and then Stan Freeberg's narration is great because like three little pigs like it's like sloppy in a great way like three little pigs, pigs. I don't know. Know. like he's like drunk <laughs> um, it's wonderful um Beautiful. It's a beautiful uh, oh. line reading. Um, I was gonna get back to Foghorn Leghorn, which was one of Scott's. That was a Robert McKinson character. Like I think he had worked. Was it really? Yeah. It, he also created the Tasmanian Devils. So mm. Scott's oh. out of themselves a McKinson guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> whether he knew it or not. I did yeah. not know. Okay, so I I thought I thought Foghorn was Freeling. No, no, no. That, that, well, that's and awesome. Styles are very similar too. Maybe like, that's what yeah, I'm thinking of. Yeah. They're both kind of. And I was on points, like you said, like uh, the model, yeah, they're yeah. on mark. Um, but Falkland I think he's based on a, sen- a southern senator called Senator Claiborne. Mm. That's where they came up with the voice, yeah, which makes me appreciate the character even more. Like, yeah, it was, like, it was a satirical character. I feel like the dog doesn't get any play. No. I, and I feel he should because if you don't, Foghorn can work perfectly fine with none of those other characters. But the dog adds; it's like a garnish. It just it spices mm-hmm. the dish up. Yes, and it's yeah. I I love I love Foghorn and the dog because it's always like he puts a watermelon on the dog's head. He then like you know kick. Oh, he, there's first off the dog's tied up. Puts a watermelon on the head, picks up his butt, beats the crap out of it, and then the, he lets the dog chase him. And then he stops at a goalpost or something that he's made, so you can kick the football, which is the dog's head. Right. And of course, the dog always gets loose, so Foghorn gets it too. It's oh, it's so good. So, any final thoughts on Looney Tunes, like Scott's? No, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed watching them over the. Uh, you know, and I think what you said at the beginning is. You know, it would be great to see, like, shorts before movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the movies that make sense. You don't want, like, Schindler's List to have, like, a <laughs> Tiffany Toon short. Before. Well, yeah, now that one, maybe not, you know. Yeah, but Like a serious <laughs> movie. So here you go. Oh, there you go. There, there will be blood actually would work with the shorts. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. But, but, I mean, you could, and this is horrible, you could imagine Daffy going, like, I could have given him that rabbit over there, or yeah, yeah. or or that pig over there, and Porky's just like, "Abadi, abadi, what?" Yeah, it's, it's like Spielberg is like, "I don't think this would work for our movie." No. <laughs> Thank you, boy. Not our Holocaust uh, film. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, tough crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The World War Two par- parallels are, you know, they're both from World War Two. Yeah, that's it. That's where the the similarities end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I I enjoyed them and it was it was great kind of getting back with them after I hadn't been watching them in a long time, so it was it's nice. Were any that stood out for you revisiting them this week? Um, yeah, I like the Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. Just that's just a timeless, and they don't. If you just saw like snippets of each one, you couldn't really tell which cartoon it was. They did so many, mm-hmm. you know. It, 
it's the same. He, you know, he walks out with the gun and he walks up the bugs his hole, and then that's when it starts. You know, and that's yeah. when they change. You know, they're pretty much the same at that point. So. Yeah. Um, I like the duck season ones, um, rabbit season, duck season, and uh, it just—I think that's just the quintessential Looney Tunes cartoon. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean that's it. I mean that those yeah. are the like if you had to like what is the Looney Tunes? Here you go. This is what they are. I agree. That's well, a I, great example. I always wondered if like Freeling and Jones ever had a bit of animosity towards each other towards the end, just because people do tend to mostly gravitate towards Jones stuff. Not that Freeling's was bad in any way, shape, or form. It's just like that his Jones is the first thing you think of when you think of Looney Tunes these days. And Freeling is like usually third or fourth. Well, I think the reason with, with Freeling, and I think Freeling is great because most of the stories we've seen on TV were either Jones or Freeling, right? Uh, you, and we didn't know the difference. I think why Jones stands out a bit more is the Octorus theory, which is Jones puts more of his own stamp on them, where Freeling commits to these characters being who they actually are. Like he makes, if you want a Bugs Bunny cartoon, it's more of like a craftsman. Like if you want a Bugs Bunny cartoon, Freeling's the guy to go to. He eventually created, I think he started the company to create a Pink Panther. In yeah, that he did. Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Ant in the Yard Bark. Which I oh, yeah, in. which is like a Jackie Mason ripoff. Yeah, it was like and Jackie Dean Martin. Mason and Dean Martin voices. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the Ant in the Yard Bark. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, he also created like Tweety and Sylvester mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think he had a hand in Speedy Gonzalez, which is a problematic character as well sure. these days. Um, but wasn't he also like? I, I, maybe I just read this recently. I could be wrong. I thought he was also like he studied music, mm-hmm. and so he did. like especially in the early days, he got the music. He helped everyone with their music timing he and did. stuff like that. And which is funny because his not that the music is not it doesn't stand out as much. I would say in a Freeling cartoon that I'm aware of, except for the Dover Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, is that right? The yeah, Devil Boys, where it's like, that, yeah, that was that a Jones that one? Was, I think that was a Jones cartoon. Oh, never mind then. I thought yeah. that was Freeling for some reason, but um, no, his his musical timing is he helped with that, right? And I think uh, Jones, um, you know, might be more associated by the public with music because of what's opera doc and the yeah. operatic stuff. Yeah. And actually, Freeling was the real musician. Like Real Bops is a perfect mm-hmm. example. Of yes, his yeah, stylings. Yeah, you can give us Disney would give us Wonderful World of Color, but right. then we would get like. Perfection in like seven minutes, which is three little box. He also said Freeling had the best timing, like he had the best comedy, like he was the most comedically, yeah. mm-hmm. s- the strongest comedically of all of them. Actually, was Freeling in terms of timing and the gags and everything. Like yeah, he the beats, but he doesn't have that. Like Jones has those exaggerated facial, facial expressions, expressions that he that it prolong. And I love, I love them. Jones might be my favorite, but I love Freeling too. I think Freeling kind of gets overlooked because. Clampett was a stylist, Jones was a stylist, and so was Avery, but Freeling was more of a craftsman, like saying, these characters are on point with me, like this is the definitive bugs, this is the definitive daffy, when you think of these characters, I'm going to give you that. So this is a weird, and just bear with me, this will tie into Looney Tunes and Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. So I'm a big fan of the Ninja Turtles, and Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, Peter Laird is very much a, like a Freeling the characters these yeah. are the characters we've created and Kevin Eastman is just more like a oh we can do anything with the characters <laughs> and Pierre Laird's like no and then that's where they would start to butt heads and until they kind of separated and now turtles are whatever they are now um, I wonder if it's the same kind of vibe. I feel like any property if they, they need 
Now, granted, and they do work together, but they also are competing with each other mm-hmm. in a friendly atmosphere. Yes. I feel like sometimes the best properties need that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like Looney Tunes, you had Freeling, who is like, you want a Bugs Bunny cartoon? He's all about how that character is crafted, mm-hmm. the worksmanship of that. And then you have Jones, who doing the same thing, but he's doing kind of a weird, absurd stuff. Yeah. But in the same vein, and and sometimes they just. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, Jones is more of the intellectual. Like he had an intellectual bent. As a lot of his interests were like, and like he was referencing high art. Like I think Roger Ebert said that he used to combine high and low art together. That was one of the things that Jones did yeah. really well. And Freeling, I I did read, got frustrated with Jones where he said, "You're making bugs too literate." He's a hey me. He doesn't have correct grammar. He's not a refined grammar. Uh-huh. He's a street kid. You can't make him. And not that I think Jones made him too literate, but I think just with the opera stuff and, you know, that's oh, going yeah. sink into Bugs' character as also an intellectual. Now, Daffy, you know, to me, Daffy, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that – because I remember well, – he is Daff- intellectual in a way. He is, but, like, but he's Daffy. You know what I mean? So, like, I remember there was – I watched, was it Daffy, Daffy Doc or whatever? It's yeah. a black and white one where he's an assistant – a medical assistant, which my first, I was like, how did he get that far? He yeah. gets fired quickly, everybody. Um, but, uh, cause he, I mean, at one point they go scrapple, scrapple. And then, but then he starts like, he just throws everything up in the air and you're just like, yeah. Oh dear God. Um, yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the, the Daffy. I, I think what Jones did is distinguish Daffy and bugs really well, where Daffy was the intellectual. He was probably the most intellectually astute person in the room and aware but he wasn't as clever as Bugs. Like, Bugs would always That's throw the rope. Yeah, which goes into your, what you said earlier about Solieri. Yeah. Um, which is true, because Solieri was a good musician in his own right. Yes. Um, and a lot of people, sadly, don't remember that anymore. They yeah. just remember yeah. the sad part, which is like, right. oh, he was just jealous of Mozart. And yeah. it's just like, no, no, he, he had, bro had some good shit going on, man. Like, yeah. you know. Not only that, but I don't think it's even historically accurate that there was a real rivalry. No, I, I think you know? there was, it was like, it was a mutual, like, uh, friendly, like, oh, I like your work. And I think Mozart was just like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then, and and I think Solier like maybe wrote one. Yeah, you're right because I think he wrote one letter. He's like, well, I'm kind of hurt he didn't say anything more, and that's all there was to it. And then someone's just like, I'll make a musical out of it. <laughs> and Mozart is bugs in that movie because he's just like he doesn't give a shit what anybody else thinks of him. Oh my god, and yeah. He just goes out and creates all these masterpieces, and he's irreverent with authority. And and, and, so, and it replaced his weird laugh with him chewing on a carrot. Exactly. <laughs> Is what's up, Doc? You know, mm-hmm. it's basically Amadeus is a Looney Tunes cartoon, is what we're saying. It, Which Neil yeah, Foreman became Chuck Jones in that movie. So yeah, if you really want to want to you know view everything through the looking glass, just watch that's, Amadeus, that's, that's, and there you go. Classical music, you know, with, with yeah. comedy. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of how to break down between those two. I, I mean, I, I think Freeling. I think there's going to be a revival of Freeling eventually, too, because people are going to go back and say, oh, yeah. okay, he did a lot of great stuff. Well, and his Pink Panther stuff for sure does get praised, and, mm-hmm. and, and in Aardvark. I, I know people who don't know a lot about animation. They, they at least know someone of Anne and the Aardvark, and they're like, I just remember watching a little bit of that. It was fun. I was like, oh, yeah, well, there's some great stuff in there. Like, it's... That aardvark is a great design too, though. It, straight blue <laughs> and and the straight red for and of course in retrospect it's a fire ant, yeah, possibly. Um, but he's like a hip, cool <laughs> fire ant. It's the Jackie Mason, like, oh. right? And then also the design it's very UPA like design, mm-hmm. um, which to me feels kind of anti Freeling in a way because mm-hmm. Freeling likes it feels like he does more detail. Like the Pink Panther yes. cartoons have a decent detail to them, like the Bugs Bunny shorts do, and then. But then you have it's very UPA ish, which is oh, yeah. for those out there. UPA is very st- highly stylized. Like 
honestly like Rocky and Bullwinkle. There's not a lot of backgrounds. Granted, right. that was for budget stuff, but he worked at UPA. And Bill Scott, he's like, well, we don't have the money for it. Treat it like a UPA cartoon. Throw just a, a general background of a, of a splash collar. Yeah. Or there's no background, maybe just draw a bush. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just remember one time in Ann Arbor, there's just like a bush and there's nothing else. There's like a collar. And if they do a close-up, the background color might change to accent the character, but that, that's it. That's it. That, and that's a UPA cartoon, technically. Well, it's, it's amazing. Well, those ant artwork especially are very abstract looking. That's why I always like those cartoons. Yes, they're just, yeah. They're different looking. And it was like the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. They yeah. Out. They were theatrically released, too. Like at that Were they time. really? And I think they now, were. Now, that yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. They thought, got recycled into TV like the Looney Tunes. Um, yeah. You know, like packages Was it stuff. Crazy Clute? And, crazy Coot? Crazy Clute? Another one? I remember that was it packaged into the, it was like a cowboy might have been yeah and I, I that's all I remember of it I, I think Hanna Barbera ran the exclusive TV rights animation for a while in the sixties yeah. and seventies yes they did mm. um so uh what are your final thoughts Nick I'm sure no. you'll have uh, uh I have I have many um uh, no mm-hmm. I Looney T- classic Looney Tunes is amazing um. and I think Warner Brothers is always going to try to find a way to. Um, hopefully properly use the characters in the way they need to be used. Um, I will always try to give them a shot, too. Um, but, like, they are classics, and I feel like what worries me as I get older um, and I see what kids are interested in today, there's a part of me that gets a little sad because kids are into the pop culture stuff. And, you know, someone asked me, like, well, how do you know who the hell Jack Benny is? Actually, I think it was my wife. Um, she's just like, how do you know all this? I was like, I watch Bugs Bunny cartoons, yes. and it's amazing. And even you know what? And they're not as good, but even Disney cartoons, like one of my favorite Donald Duck ones, is it's like a Donald Duck goes to Hollywood. Like he's trying to break into the studio, and Laurel and Hardy, uh, uh, oh crap, Shirley Temple caricatures, Jimmy Stewart, mm-hmm. same caricatures that are in the, in the one we talked about. Uh, Hollywood steps out. Those are all. I learned about Groucho Marx. I don't. I never seen Groucho Marx, but yeah. I saw him because of Bugs Bunny would imitate him, or he would be with his brothers in those shorts. Like I learned it all, and they don't show barely any of those anymore. And um, yeah, you have Boomerang, which is is actually pretty nice. I'm throwing out there for a whole year, it's thirty nine ninety nine, which is, in my opinion, kind of good for mm-hmm. everything you get. You're also getting the new Scooby Doo shows oh, and cool. movies. Um, now that doesn't say they're good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but, wow, I can't wait to get all these regurgitated. Yeah, they, no, they, they are missing, I, I did a one-week trial as well, and they are missing quite a few, of, like, they seem to be in certain eras of the Looney Tunes. Yes. They don't have, a, like, the real old ones, which is... Which is kind of sad. Yeah. So, for Looney Tunes fans, yeah, it, and they group them in terms of, oops, sorry, they group them in terms of character, yeah. um, which is, it's not horrible, but, like, as I said, like, I was trying to find Barbara of Seville, and it's under Elmer Fudd and not Bugs Bunny, and, uh-huh. or maybe just do Bugs and Elmer, or, I mean, you know, I looked up, it was funny, I looked up uh, Opera, and it pulled up Barbara of Seville and What's Opera, Doc, but I typed in Dick Tracy, or Duck Tracy, looking for, because I, I forgot the title of it, it's the great train yeah, robbery, yeah. and didn't come up. And so I'm not saying it's not there, but like I tried looking for that one today because that's a Clampett one yeah. for no for sure, yeah. and I couldn't find it. And I was just like, and I don't want to go to YouTube so I can then go back to Boomerang. So, um, but all things considering, if you like Looney Tunes and Hanna Barbera, just anything we've talked about, it is actually a decent price compared to like was yeah. it Disney? It's like sixty bucks a year if you pay at once. Or anyway, um, so but but it makes me sad. I think that's what's sad with Looney Tunes is 
you have to it's behind a paywall or it's not out there and that's why I have hope for the new shorts I really do hope I hope that they it will never be as good it, mm-hmm. it's just what it is it's right. like you know but I feel I'm really hoping that they will they seem to have and to throw this out there too no one ever goes out to make a bad Looney Tunes cartoon or any mm. property IP no. they have their heart in it for the right reasons right um, and they might be borrowing from different things, but with all the stuff that supposedly they're going to do, I do have high hopes for that they're going to they're going to have some hits with it. So, and I hope they can keep it up. But in terms of classic Looney Tunes, I mean, it's if they are not in the um, Library of Congress, uh, for shame. I know Duck and Muck is, yes, but they need way more. I, I yeah. know uh, What's Opera Duck, Duck and Muck, and Porky and Wackaland are the three that are. Currently they, need the, more. they need more. They, they need, need, they need they more. They probably should just take the whole catalog. And I mean, over there. On it, honestly, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Now, if you want to say, like, if, you, you know, if you're cataloging it and you want to search for Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck or whatever, those should be the ones that pop up first. But under that, it should have the whole catalog. Yeah, I agree. They really should. Like, even the bad stuff, because of cultural whatever, right. you know, they should have that in there, too. They're all important, and they're all amazing. It's mm-hmm. like Beatles songs. It's like you're going to know certain songs, but you're going to find your own personal Beatles favorite within that Honestly, context. Yeah. Same with the Looney Tunes. It's like you're going to yeah. find your own personal favorite mm-hmm. cartoons within that context. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Like, I think that they were a great gateway into other forms of pop culture, too, like Humphrey Bogart, yes. Jimmy Stewart, uh, the Marx Brothers, Oral and Hardy, mm-hmm. and classical music. Like, you're hearing, like, Wagner and all yes. that other stuff. So that's another thing know? I didn't touch on yet is the classical music yes. that Sterling right. is so good. Like, not just Powerhouse, but, like, you know, uh, uh, Hungarian Rhapsody. Right. Um, I mean, just so many great musical works are in there. It's you know there's some amazing there's a, there's a cartoon called Russian Rhapsody where they parody Hitler and they turn Hitler into like Yosemite Sam or uh, oh. Elmer Fudd where he's being befuddled by these gremlins from the Kremlin because they're <laughs> supporting Stalin and I'm like I can't believe I'm watching this like this is amazing those are that's such history to us but then that was a current event they were making yes, fun of current events. Um, oh man! But it's Hitler. I mean, who's one of the most indelible villains in, in yes. history. Yes. Uh, being treated like he's Yosemite Sam, being electrocuted and stuff, and, and turning o- into jackass. I'm okay with that. No, I'm yeah. okay. If you want to see a Nazi parody, go watch Russian, Russian Rhapsody. So I always end the podcast by saying the best place to usually watch uh, a film outside of a theater, if you can't actually get see it. And I've had the luxury of seeing Looney Tunes in the theater, by the way, thanks to the Gateway Film Center. Yes, Gateway is amazing. They've played a lot of them. Uh, is Blu-ray. And the great news is that there are three sets called the Platinum Collection of Looney Tunes shorts mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. They're amazing. Not only do they look great, but they have so many f- fantastic special features, audio commentaries on different shorts mm-hmm. from different people. They have uh, documentaries all over the place on all the different filmmakers and all the different, you know, from Mel Blanc, it's Carl Stalling. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Highly recommend them. They're probably the best DVD sets I own in terms of just the content that they. And if I remember correctly, for because I have the Golden Collection and the Platinum is for Blu-ray purposes. Exactly. Is, is, it, they they took that as a jumping-off point. So if they did it anywhere near the same, it the is. Golden Collect. Oh, it is so awesome. So the Golden Collection, if you buy the whole set at once, they have it. I mean, they have it packaged as like I think what, three discs is Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. and they go from the greatest hits that everyone knows. 
next cut, deep cuts. Yes. And they do that for, I think, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Foghorn Lingard, Sylvester and Tweety, Roadrunner, Wally Coyote. And then, and then the one-shots, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the last one is just a whole slew of random ones that just don't really fit anywhere but are really popular. And it's the same thing, popular ones. Like, like I Want to Sing is one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Russian Rhapsody, which we mentioned. Yeah. Hollywood Steps Out. Like, these one-shots that are amazing because you can see what the animators can do outside of the classic characters. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really important. Uh, well, I want to thank our guest, Nick, oh, well, for thank, uh, showing Thank you up so today. much for having me. This was so much fun. Oh, you were an amazing guest. Uh, do you have anything to plug that's coming up outside of The Good and Bad and the Geeky, which I highly recommend as a podcast? Um, we are going on a break probably within the next month or so because we always take like a, a seasonal break. But it gives us plenty of time to check out past episodes at gbgpodcast.com. Um, and I'm slowly working on getting the next season of Opposing Roles out, which is our RPG podcast. Um, and it switches up every... The plan is to switch up every season. Like for the first season, we're doing a Star Wars. So like uh, uh, Stephen Woosley, Eric Sternberger, and Samantha Stark, um, they are they are my players, and I'm the game master. And we're doing Star Wars, the role playing game. And oh, it's not the it's not the missile launching gun. No, no, sorry, no, 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 no sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I thought so it was like, oh, like, that's an interesting. The Reagan era. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, your yeah. podcast dedicated to RPG. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Touche, touche. Yeah, yeah, uh... <laughs> no, and then, uh, and then after so season two, like we've recorded a few uh, match lifting. Colleen Underwood and Becky Horseman. Uh, we're doing another game system where it's more superhero esque, and it takes place in the nineties because cell phones aren't around and it's easier. But it's fun stuff like that, and it's opposingrolespod.com. dot com. So um, nice, yeah. Please check that out. Awesome, and then uh, Scott and I, of course, continue to listen to Cinema Wheeler Tank. Oh and, yes. Uh, uh, Scott and I are going to be performing as the Wheeler Brothers in the upcoming Columbus Unscripted Festival. I think it's called Goose on the Loose. Coming up is that the October. Wild Goose Festival? Uh, yeah, Wild Goose Creative. Yeah, Wild yeah, Goose Oct- Creative Festival. Yeah, at October eleventh, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there. Nice yeah. the show. Yeah, just uh, see the Nest Theater. I, I do stuff there off and on. So mostly on. <laughs> I don't know if my off. It's like yeah, yeah. So instead of like saying all the stuff I do, but yeah, yeah, just. There you go. Well, uh, thank you once again, everybody, to continue to listen to the podcast. Find us on iTunes and Mm -hmm. uh, Podbean and any place that you can listen to, I guess, the podcast. And continue to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Can I try something real quick? Sorry. No, no. no, Go ahead. Farewell. to introduce myself. My name is Wile E. Coyote. Genius. I can easily understand why it should puzzle you that a person of my intelligence, uh, IQ 207, super genius, should devote his valuable time chasing this ridiculous roadrunner. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. I say it's duck season, and I say fire! Yosemite Sam! It's Yosemite Sam! Yosemite Sam! Yeah, Yosemite Sam! The roughest, toughest, he-man, stuffest hombre has ever crossed the Rio Grande. And I ain't no man be pandy. Now all of you skunks, clear!